OTB Rugby. One of the best wingers in the world. One of the best Irish wingers of all time. He's done it. Of course he can do it again. It's just very, very important to be able to exit well against big teams and get down this territory game. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Good morning, very, very good morning to everyone out there. Big smiley ahead of me this morning. I was just saying, Monday the 3rd of July, and you're very welcome along to OTB AM, the sports breakfast show. From Off the Ball, we're here with you live until 10am as per usual this morning. Colin Boohey, good morning. Morning, Shane. Johnny Ward in the corner, good morning. Good morning, Shane. How are you? Um, I wouldn't say I'm quite up to your levels of um, serotonin got, heights or I've whatever. Got serotonin coursing through my veins, and it's not because I spent the weekend in the lovely County Sligo, but... It's because of um, a certain match in Croke Park on, on Saturday evening. I, I was saying to you before, I, him, I, I literally don't think I've ever been as nervous watching a, a sporting event. I wasn't there, obviously, but uh, um, hands were shaking, sweating profusely, uh, could barely look. Normally I like a bit of jeopardy. I don't like someone to tell me, you know, if, if, if the stream that you're watching, and I was watching on uh, GAGO on my phone, mm. um, it, usually it's a minute or two behind, maybe internet-wise, depending on what's actually happening and I knew that WhatsApp groups would start uh, spoiling the result for me so the penalties I was watching I was like I can't take this anymore when it, when it, when it, when it went into sudden death I was like I can't I can't cope so uh, my girlfriend was beside me she was texting her mum and I actually said to her look I know I love Jeopardy but if you get good news just feckin' tell me just say it and was there any chat at all between you and future Mrs Hannon? Uh, <laughs> there was a small bit of chat but like she's manning too she is and she was nervous and she was like oh, I might get the sea bass it looks good blah, blah, blah. and I was like yeah yeah it looks good it looks good uh, I was just I couldn't I couldn't concentrate I, like, and they were coming over what drink do you like I'll have a pint of Guinness I couldn't concentrate on normal life for like I must have looked like a madman because for 10 minutes I was just I was in another realm to be honest now you have to beat Dublin I have to beat Dublin the small task of Dublin in the semi-final but that's what you want isn't it start of the year I mean Vinnie Corey takes the job without uh, really expecting the job and then keeps mm. them Division 1 gets them to a semi-final we'll get into it though we'll get into it yeah. I'd say this is the most eagerly anticipated uh, performance rankings in a while from the Gaelic football heads out there Yeah. which county is going to fall where as you know I got a text this morning <laughs> from one of your own saying oh, yes. they better be in green well even well, we'll a, see, like. a lot of people there's pressure on Tommy Rooney in the, the power rankings I think this week as Monaghan were, were ninth in the power rankings last week and there were only 8 teams left <laughs> so everyone's assuming we'll be 5th now in the semi-finals well, you know, so. from your two, 2 points before we get on on you go, What's yeah. your favourite scene in Boiling Point? Oh, uh, Colm, the one in the kitchen. You know when he's going mad in the kitchen. So, for, for spoiler out there for people, they, they, Colm's been trying to get me to watch the uh, Boiling Point movie. Stephen Graham. That's it's a one-shot movie. One-shot movie. In a, if you've worked in the service industry, you'll enjoy it. Or Sometimes every so often we talk about movies on Monday mornings, so stuff that you could watch. Mm. Boiling Point. Intense now. If you're in kind of a stressed mood, don't watch it. Suppose when would you not be in a stress mood and when would you want to watch something very intense and stress-inducing? Like anyway, if you're in that type of mood, watch Boiling Point. See, is it like Uncut Gems? Have you seen Uncut Gems? Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. Yeah, very, thoroughly, similar. very similar. I thoroughly did not enjoy that. Very similar tone. Right. Stephen Graham is phenomenal. Great actor. Everything he turns his hand to. He's and just it's unbelievable. It's funny, I remember watching like the, at a, at a somewhat dark moment in my life, I watched The Machinist. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've never seen it's that. So is that the one with like the um, worst movie Christian ever to Bale. watch? Yeah. And he loses loads of weight for he, he lost, um, he's a really like method actor, but he wants to actually lose more weight, but he's so emaciated in this, like yeah, it's unbelievable. It's literally like he's um, playing somebody who like hasn't, has been on, on hunger strike. He's so, which is effectively his character. But it was like, 
one of the darkest movies I've ever seen and really bleak soundtrack. And I was like, probably should have picked something a little bit more uplifting. But well, it doesn't matter to Shane anymore. I mean, mm. after Monaghan, you could watch anything. I watched When Harry Met Sally there again recently. Oh, right. <laughs> what a movie. Like. <laughs> Did he <this> was? <laughs> when Harry Met Sally. Who's, who's in When Harry Met Sally? <laughs> When, when, dir- when Dirty Harry Billy, met Sally. Billy, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. It's a yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these two do it. When Dirty Harry Look met Sally. Look what that's That's a remix there. Oh, it's great. Great film. Yeah, quality. And it wasn't supposed to end the way it did. It was supposed to be the opposite. Yeah. It's 30 years later, but no spiders anyway if you haven't seen it. What a film. That's the opposite now. It's Boiling Point. Right. Watch right, those right. back to back. Different kind bit of, of vibe. a speedball for movies. Okay. A, a bit of an upper, a bit of a downer. Let us know yeah. in, the, in the YouTube comments this morning what's your, what's your favourite movie. Um, and also... <laughs> What did you think of the weekend? We've got a few comments coming in also. Happy St. Columns Day, says Kenny Dad. I don't know if that is just an uh, honour to you, Colm, or if that's an actual day. Is there, do we have a day? Maybe you have a day. Columns have is a there day. a saint? There must be a saint. Maybe it's for Pascal. Gordon Darling says, Up the Kingdom from Tokyo. Uh, JP Wright, voice actor. Congrats, Kelly Harrington, on winning gold in Poland. We might touch on that in the performance rankings. Yeah, yeah. Modern Armagh fans should be ashamed of themselves. Brawling in Croke Park. Disgusting behaviour. Yeah, I saw oh, a video. Yeah. Hill 16, there's been yeah. a bit of a scrap. Obviously, it's a small minority, both sets of fans, but uh, it appeared no love lost uh, amongst. A small grouping of um, both sets of supporters, so you don't want to see that, of course, uh, happening at any single match. Oh yeah, so um, I'm safe Wimbledon starting. Wimbledon starts today. Oh, it's today. Yeah, today's Wimbledon. Very day. exciting. So you feel like I would fa- feel at the start of the World Snooker Championships today? This is a great day. I didn't see much of Queens this year, though. Queens usually a nice appetizer to the main course. Yeah. Didn't see much of it. Um, Nick Kyrgios is not playing. He pulled out overnight. Right. Well, that's the sad. He's news only played one match all year. He's been riddled with injuries. That's the star power. And I, this is classic him because he got the PR boost of uh, Breakpoint, the Netflix series, on the back of the success of Drive to Survive. It's not nowhere near as good, but yeah. he's very, very much prominent in this series. Mm. And people are like, oh, who's this curious guy? And then, of course, like he's an incredibly nefarious off court side to him. Yeah. And got into, like, he's in legal trouble at the moment, and, like, Netflix is going to sweep over it being like. Oh, he was accused of uh, domestic abuse. But anyway, back to Kyrgios' show. <laughs> but uh, Kyrgios, the yeah. player, is um, not going to play in Wimbledon and obviously got to the final last year. Yeah. So uh, a bit of a loss to the tournament for the actual tennis, itself, for the interest of tennis. But Alcaraz versus Djokovic and Shiantek against Sabalenka are the two matches. And they obviously. avoid each other till the final. Yeah, like you're, you're talking one, in, one versus two. Right. So, yeah, so that's what's to look forward to. Anyway, it's Wimbledon and people watch Wimbledon. Exactly, yeah, yeah. There's strawberries and cream at home, for sure. Um, so we've got Field of Dreams, lads, classic movies, says Richard Media. Yeah, plenty of comments coming in. Uh, Edward Freeman says, Nathan was laughing at Galway not being in the quarterfinals this weekend. It's fair to say Mayo never turned up this weekend either. Yeah, and that's something we'll touch on as well. That I think the teams that had the two-week break certainly benefited from it. Monaghan were the only one of the one-week yep. inter- inter- interim period teams that managed to qualify. So uh, we'll get into it at 7.36am on this uh, Monday morning's OTBM, the sports breakfast show from Off the Ball. It's time for the performance rankings. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just like that intensity. Johnny Ward, we're going to start in the red this morning. And I think we're going to start with um, a couple of the performances that didn't go so there well. There Wow, yeah. look at those. Mayo fans and Toronto fans, look away now. Yeah, we heard Roy Keane there, obviously. He was, he, he, he still, I don't know what it is. Vincent Hogan was on here recently saying that he never got the fascination of Roy Keane, but when he was uh, shown in the crowd at the Cork game, oh, yeah. still like, there's still a draw. I don't yeah. know what it is. When, he's, when he smiles, it makes you smile. <laughs> I don't know, it's something, there's something, he just has it. Anyway, two teams that didn't have it. Um, now, I didn't do the performance rankings, and I'm going to 
sort of go on the other side a little bit on this, particularly in, in the sense of Tyrone. I think Tyrone came up against a phenomenal performance from Kerry, particularly defensively. And I think if you're going to bemoan teams who, um, you know, when when Tyrone beat Kerry a couple of years ago, it was a completely different game, and Kerry would have learned from that. But if Tyrone had played um, a very defensive style of football in this game, um, I think they would have stayed in it a bit longer. But they sort of trusted their uh, defenders against Kerry uh, to kind of manage them uh, better. And to be fair, David Clifford, I don't think he scored from play until about an hour in, at which point the game was over. And he'd done, um, he'd done plenty around the periphery of the game. I don't know what you thought, Shane. I thought the defensive performance of Kerry, and I think Peter Canavan showed it quite well in the Sunday game last night. When Tyrone got into any sort of a situation, the, the relentless kind of hunger of the carry backs to swarm around them mm. and there, there just wasn't an obvious out ball on a lot of the time so Tyrone ended up kind of going around the pitch um, at the end of the first half Harches had a pot shot because they basically run out of time and they were trying to kill the clock because they knew it was coming up to half time but I, I, I know they fell away in the second half but I think if you look at um, some of Kerry's kind of scoring as well David Clifford obviously got five but only one from play. Sean O'Shea won five. Jeremy O'Connor was phenomenal. And you're you're actually wondering, do they have the legs now in midfield maybe that they wouldn't have had obviously with David Moore and would be more old school. Mm-hmm. I thought Kerry were phenomenal. I really did. Um and I was just thinking, Jesus, they're definitely going to win the All Ireland until I saw Dublin. Yeah. But it's literally I'd be gobsmacked if it wasn't the two of them in the final. I yeah. thought I thought Kerry and it, it was almost this feeling like the championship's been a bit weird in the sense of when are you trying to peak here? When, you know, there's a lot of, and I'm kind of maybe a little bit worried about Limerick next week against Galway because are, are Limerick just, have Limerick just been taking the pace a bit? Because <laughs> on the basis of Kerry's forms yesterday, they were literally getting ready for two or three games. Mm. I thought Kerry were phenomenal. So um, on that kind of note, I am, um, you know, I, I give Tyrone an out. Mayo probably just looked very, very tired and the concession of the goal was an absolute killer. It was the same for Cork. The concession of the goal, it's such a bad goal to give away. There's no coming back. In Gaelic football, I know they came back from six points down against Dublin in that memorable semi-final. But like when that goal went in and uh, you know the bench that Dublin have, I know men- men- mentally Car- Mayo's heads kind of went down, but I think that was understandable. But it was, I mean, it's very, very disappointing. They've, Mayo have gone from a team that like never lost comprehensively at any stage in the championship to two really, really meek exits in the last couple of years. That would worry me a bit. And it also makes me worry, wonder about Galway because we obviously lost at home to Mayo and Mayo were out of their depth yesterday in the second half. Yeah, I mean, the um, like, Tyrone Kerry had all the makings of a classic in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, Rory Canavan equalises at a beautiful point. Yeah. Like, Canavan Brothers over. got great scores. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's six points each. You know, yeah. 15 minutes before half time. And then you're thinking the exact same thing with Dublin Mayo. It was tit for tat for the yeah. first half. It was like, this is going to be a classic, thank God, because we need a classic. <laughs> and, uh, like, there's a comment in here this morning, like, after all the excitement of the build up to the quarterfinals, is Gaelic football still in a bad place? Is it poor to watch? And like, you have to say, look, highly anticipated. All four games were kind of intriguing in their own right. Yeah. But there was only really one memorable classic from all four. We're not going to be looking back in the other three. No, no, not particularly. See, I, I, I was thinking about this, though. What does this say about Gaelic football? Because in isolation, some of what, not only Kerry and Dolan produced, but some of the other teams as well, some of their point scoring and some of their defending like, is off-the-charts quality. Like, off-the-charts, what David Clifford obviously did for the goal. Um, Dublin's point-taking the second half was phenomenal. Mm. So, 
if Ter- if Derry were playing Kerry this week, if Dunmore were playing Kerry this weekend, it would have been a game of the ages, yeah. like one of the greatest ever. And I don't know what that says about the fact that Mayo and Tyrone were just so so unable to go with these powerhouses because I think they were phenomenal. I really do think yeah. Kerry and particularly Kerry but Dublin as well were phenomenal in the second half. Well, even like Desi Farrell afterwards yesterday was kind of. You know, he's very much humble anyway, but he was sort of saying, like, the first half was competitive and the second half, he, he said straight away, like, Mayo couldn't keep up with it's us. One five and, uh, yeah, yeah, and he acknowledged the fact that it's three weekends in a row. Yeah. But it's Mayo's doing, like, if they exactly. didn't capitulate against Cork, they wouldn't have had to have played Galway last yeah, weekend. that was the game. Mm. Wasn't and that's it? why, they, and that, that actually is the beauty of this new championship. It punishes you. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's look why it's exciting. Look at Galway's situation that they ended in because they didn't win the group, like. And uh, I, 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 in fairness, it's been knocked, but it has worked in the favour of the teams that did best in the group. Totally, but you know, for say the neutral observer or even if you had a hand in any of those eight teams it's like if there was just a weekend off between these quarterfinals would they have been closer matches yeah. especially the second half of the two bigger games mm. look everyone expects Dublin and Kerry to, to play each other in the final I think Dublin are six point favourites with the bookies against Monaghan in the semi-final and I know Kerry are three point favourites over Derry as things currently stand so like you expect to see it look Derry and Monaghan will hope to have, have a say in those semi-finals and maybe cause a shock but yeah, I think like look, I I said on the quick picks last week, and I was getting a lot of messages from Kerry supporters that oh, you ruled them out. And Anthony Moyles, I'm sure, was getting a few messages as well from Kerry fans. But I just felt their own work were coming good. But I have to say, Kerry just well, it was hard to agree. really analyse Kerry or Dublin so far because neither have had a challenge. Yeah, and they have to go all this way, this deep into the championship to actually have their first challenge. And all they were challenged for was half an hour. Yeah, well, yeah, 30, 35, maybe forty minutes at best. Yeah, and then it, but the like Dublin's third quarter against Mayo replicated the Such a third 2019 one as well, as well. Yeah, and like brilliant. Baskell's performance, right? So if you if you you bring him in and then you look at what their bench is, that must bench be ex- a joke. It's extremely demoralising. McCaffrey, mm. McCaffrey, like it was just <laughs> yesterday was like his energy when he came on, like they were wrecked at about yeah. 60th minute. Mm. He just burst through the middle of the park. And they can't keep up with the guy, like. No. And also, if his shooting accuracy was the level that he is, mm. this would have been an even larger victory. Yeah, Mayo's bench just wasn't on the same level as as Dublin's, and they did look leggy and tired in the second half. It's, it's, it's a difficult one for strength and conditioning coaches to say, like we start our we start training and whenever, right? But we have to sort of vaguely peak with this ridiculous three week games in a couple of weeks schedule in the at the end of June. Yeah, how do we do this? Which we're not necessarily planning for either. But Dublin and Kerry were sort of able to go through the motions up until now. It would seem because they were so fresh, like yeah. so fresh, and the other lads weren't. On the Mayo side, how would you rate Kevin McStay's first year? Uh, good, good first year. Uh, they'd obviously be gutted to go out the quarterfinal stage, but I mean, league champions. It's hard to fault. Uh, like their league performances generally were brilliant. Uh, even the game they lost in the last round against Monaghan. I mean, Mayo had nothing to play for at that point. Um, kind of championship. Obviously disappointing to lose that day against Roscommon, but I thought it was probably going to benefit them having that whatever it was six seven weeks of a break to prepare for the All Ireland preliminary group stage, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they'll certainly be disappointed looking back at that Cork game, six-point lead, to, to kind of get, throw that away the way they did. And then I think that that was the downfall, as you said. The, the Galway game probably took so much from them mentally and physically. I don't think you can say Mayo had a good year. Because like, yeah. if, if Parry Choice said Galway had a bad year, like Mayo won the league, but like ultimately, who no, cares? What, so, what I mean, sorry, Kevin McStay, from Kevin McStay's point, Kevin McStay, first year in charge. Yeah. Like, McStay said afterwards, he he's quite content with the first year. And it's yeah. good for him and his yeah. coaching staff. But then you look at the bench towards the end of the yesterday's game, Aidan O'Shea and Parry Gohara just looking into the distance, a million miles there. Yeah. And they're thinking, they're four, here, four we, here we go again, like Dublin. 
back again. Like we're going nowhere. In fact, we're, we're getting knocked out earlier now. This is the than point. Before. You know, it was traditionally the last decade is semi final or final. They were always that was like final. Going, going to the wire, right? That, that was a strange thing about the Kerry game last year, how poor they were. And they were probably beaten like even more comprehensively yesterday. And I think mentally that's hard to get over. They were, they, the last time, the last two times they played real proper games in Crow Park, they've been battered. Yeah. And I think when you, I, I don't know, I, I'm not sure they're going to recover. And I think Lee Keegan was thinking last night, thank God I retired because I didn't waste another year of this. Um, and he must have been touch and go when they were getting to the stage of, I could have given it another year. And last night he's probably thinking I made the right call here. Well, I'd say he wanted to play at half time mm. when it was tight. Mm. He didn't want, to, yeah. You know, I would say he missed it then, like, and I, that, like that's the match, and then for mm-hmm. the and then the following thirty five minutes, well, like, you're, reflect, you're reflecting half, a disaster, like, yeah. and that's how quickly you turned around. But they are they are in a strange position because McStay quite rightly can be satisfied, not happy, but satisfied with his first year, mm-hmm. and then you have a group of players like his core players thinking this is another year. Mm-hmm. Closer to the end, mm-hmm. will I even this, come back again? Yeah, why would you bother? So you have like, two very different feelings in the camp. If I were Aidan O'Shea, I'd be 100% retiring of that. Would I'm you? not giving another year of this. Like, Retire, would that be your last game? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, the way giving another year. But then you have, mean, chance, I, you have a chance for more silverware, you know, league titles, uh, uh, provincial I, titles. I, maybe the chance of pushing on next year and further in the All-Ireland I put it out there in the, in the pre-show meeting. I, you know, I, I'm watching on TV and Aidan O'Shea gets taken off fairly early in the second half and all I can hear is the way from the yeah. Dublin fans. That yeah. was just also when McCaffrey went on so it could have been a carry-on for that but I think they were delighted it was O'Shea very sarcastic sounding, yeah. So I thought, geez, keep him on because he is causing them some bother but Kathleen McTamee who was there has a Mayo allegiance on her side this like woman was saying oh, he had to go off like he couldn't move he could not move. What do you think? They seem worried yeah, it was really early like. yeah. they, they seem really worried about him Dublin I'm not like, mm. look, O'Shea is not to be all and end all of this Mayo team, far from it, but like, they, they do seem to have this uh, respect for O'Shea and what he can do. Yeah, they, they and he did look wrecked, but at the same time, I was like, if he can give you any bit more, yeah. keep him on. They found his position this year, didn't they, in the full forward line, like, and he doesn't even have to score, he just has to set up, you know, Donahue and Conroy around him, just lay the ball off, win the ball and lay it off. But like, you saw that in the second half, like, he, like started to come a little bit further out the pitch and Paddy Andrews was chatting to Ashley after the match and yeah. I think he was a little bit confused as to why Aidan O'Shea was doing that whether it was a McStay or a decision from the sidelines or whether it was Aidan on his own he just drawn uh, into the ball that's maybe, the chase of the game like. maybe he was just getting a bit tired and had to come mm. out the field to get the ball I don't know but but their tactic in the first half may have seemed to be effective in that they were targeting the flanks mm. they were going wide and long and fast mm. which yeah. seemed to be effective Whereas in other years, they've gone down the middle and the turnover of the ball is off the charts like Dublin are just so much better at it than Mayo. Yeah. Like McStay, look, he, he targeted areas that they need to improve out in the sec- or next year, like kickouts, for example. Like in oh, well, he said yes like, you know what I mean? after the match, the, double, the pressure Dublin put on Mayo's yeah, kickouts. He said they're just not good enough to do yeah. that yet. Like. And Mayo's kickouts, even against Galway, where there wasn't much yeah. pressure, but the win, I but, suppose, was and you know, back. And then if you're O'Shea or O'Hara, whoever, any of the veterans actually in that side, O'Connor, when he, came, or when he started and came on, it's like you're so sick of hearing this like McStay is like we have room to improve like we need to improve in this area and that area yeah. and it's like we've been here for F and they're years they're getting further like, away like, you know they're I mean? actually getting yeah. further away than they were possibly yeah um, but you look at the t- look at the, look at the score lines that those two so we have Mayo and Tyrone in the, in the red but Mayo concede 217 uh, Tyrone against Kerry concede 218 those are you cannot do that in a, in a in Croke Park and all around quarter final Paddy uh, like Paddy Talley you mentioned Kerry's defence mm. ironically a Tyrone man that probably masterminded that that Kerry defensive they out Tyrone Tyrone in some ways I've I, but like this was this this is going to be fascinating now with all due respect whatever happens in semi-final how the two big teams prepare for the other and I'm, I'm not preempting the result here but if it happens because for a, for a coach to deal with how Kerry defended yesterday and they're going to put hours into this but yeah. 
God help them, like, seriously. It was it was phenomenally aggressive. And then when you have players, if Kerry were to leave four lads up front and practically put everyone else, they have so much quality going forward. Mm. The legs they have as well, like, you know, I thought their midfield was so good. Kerry midfield? Yeah, yeah and con- it was, considering everyone was like, everyone Kendi was lacking, and Patrick are going to dominate yeah, that. Yeah. It wasn't the case at all. And um, when you think... You know, Clifford scored once from play. Now, he did one of the most... Uh, we, we'll have to talk about the, the, the moment of genius. I will get to that, yeah. I think, I think um, Clifford... <laughs> Clifford, I've, I've rarely heard him interview, but I thought he summed it up brilliantly. But he was on the periphery of the game, and they absolutely hammered them. Ah. So, I'd, I, I'd, 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 I'd really not fancy having to deal with how to tactically match up with Kerry going forward in this championship. Yeah. Let's not fret. Uh, we're moving on from, the, from that uh, element of the Gaelic football, but we're going to come back to it. The performance rankings, there's plenty more. But also in the red, Johnny, the uh, the ladies' GEA after the weekend protests uh, continuing. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I've, uh, I've I've sort of listened to Shane Keegan on the the papers roundup yesterday. This is a it's a very complex situation um, in terms of the the schedule that exists at all levels, and you've court games clashing at the weekend as well. Um, and you know, the GEA saying they can't do anything about that. I know from my sister playing, um, you know, at club level uh, in Galway. Um, I know there was a feeling there that they're second-class citizens, really. And um, with, with, with due respect, that's, that's not actually that um, surprising in the sense that historically the men have dominated sport in, in Ireland full stop. And I think the, the progress that has been made in GA is phenomenal. I mean, where you get the crowds at these finals now is incredible. The participation is incredible. Um, but I don't know. This is, it's going to be a long road. I don't know what you think, Colm. Um, one hundred percent. Like they look, the you just saw on the screen there. We put it up the image of the, the unity, wearing, anyways. Uh, yeah, united for equality. Yeah, the t-shirts. And uh, there's some good pieces written last week too. And you have other sports where like the male counterparts do um, do back the women to to get better coverage and also better conditions. This is what it's all about conditions and like the respect that they have or lack of in terms of how their preparation is treated for games. And it does seem like there's a massive disparity, like. Look at even the tone of our performance rankings this morning. Like we're talking excitedly about the men's game, yeah, uh, and that we built it up like to death. Like, and here we are again reviewing it, and we probably will talk about it, uh, and we'll talk about it for the first half of this week until the hurling takes over. And what we're talking about is all on the pitch stuff. Mm. The problem with the women's game at the moment is this is the second weekend in a row that the protests are there, which is great, of course, but they're also the second week in a row that they're red. And what we're talking about in the women's game at the moment is not about the play, not about the corner forwards, not about yeah. how um, a player should play full forward because they're more effective there. It's about the treatment of the players. And so the only thing you can hope for is that this time next year, we're talking about the women's game, the performance rankings for the actual play itself. And look, at least it's getting coverage. It's good that this is the second weekend in a row in many ways. Yeah. But it's in a red for a reason. And it's like, why can't, why can't it be a case where the conditions for the women and the money that goes into it can be, the respect can be equal as it is on the men's side. So then that all we have to talk about is the actual football and camogie. <laughs> it just... Whereas this seems to be a never-ending conversation of uh, before we even get to the game, let's yeah. talk about this. It, it, it's a difficult one. Though. Like if you, if you read um, Eamon Sweeney's article yesterday and we'll get to GA Go... Um, like the money that is being made off amateur players on the men's side, for, it's it's a really interesting issue. The money that RT can make from advertising and GA Go can make, and these lads are getting nothing. Yeah, you know, so you, you can extrapolate from that then to the women's game. How do we actually fund this? Because there's a lot of money washing around. No, it is, and it's like, and also 
uh, like the problem is you're, you're immediately talking gender when you talk about that because mm. it's the protest by the women but like mm. what you want again like to reiterate you don't want to be talking about gender you want to be talking about the game itself it doesn't matter if it's a man or woman playing the game mm. and we're, we're still so far off that like we're like making inroads to an extent like you see it in the in the women's soccer team ahead of the World Cup and like increasingly we're talking about the actual game and the play and like you know critical analysis of a player who didn't play that well and like so it's, it's progress but at the same time even saying all oh, that is there's an error of like it's a patronising tone you're taking like mm. and but we want to get so far beyond that and again it'll probably be the same next weekend like yeah that's the thing but like but at the same time we can't ignore that like this is absolute shoe in for mentions because if we do ignore it it's, we're actually just replicating the treatment of those players so More we have to keep on saying that and hopefully then we'll get to the point where we're just talking about what actually goes on the pitch mm-hmm. and there's none of these protests but like if nothing's said the, the treatment will continue and it's right to do the problem. Yeah, Mayo Leash even starting the you know walking back into the dressing room after mm-hmm. the national anthem for five minutes yeah, yeah. It's late, like yeah that, and that. I mean also like people say like People complain about protests when they're too disruptive. Mm. So they can probably even go further. Like that's a very minor disruption. Five minutes. Yeah, but they could, minutes and, and, and I think they're like they're being incredibly respectful, yeah. and it's it's a nice message and it's a progressive one, and they can keep them going with it. But like, like some people complain about this, uh, but they have to because yeah. if they don't, if nothing's said, then we wouldn't even be covering this. That's the thing, and I will admit we'll mention the score lines as well on, from the weekend's quarterfinals of the All Ireland Ladies. Uh, senior Championship Kerry 221 Cavan 25 big win for Kerry over Cavan Mayo trouncing Leash as well 215 to 8 points uh, Cork putting 8 goals by Tipperary 812 to 23 and uh, Donegal pipping uh, Meath by 110 to 12 points so Meath will have to travel to play Kerry in the quarterfinals um, that is going to be the, in Kerry on the weekend of July 15th to 16th so repeat of last year's final but uh, good to mention those games as well move on to the Amber you mentioned GA go how do we all feel about behind the paywall sports and GA action after this season I um, I always thought like GA go was for the diehards, mm. right? I thought it was someone who wanted to watch every single game possible, and I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was a really good idea actually for the people who are into. I was thinking about the Tommy Rooney's of the world or anyone. That's just one yeah. example. Then you have the the weekend of the quarterfinals, and to have half of them be in the paywall, and not just that, right? If you're going to do that, fine, that's fair enough. But we were promised. Uh, additional highlights by RTE this year the mm. Saturday game because the Sunday game was just far too packed you had two hours and they were rushing through everything it was a, it was an absolute mess of a show yeah. you come in and because they pay these analysts to come on the show they were like we're going to have to justify this payment and so they're going to have to talk about the show or about the match at length so you show about four and a half minutes of the match <laughs> ten and a half minutes of analysis back after the break with the next match it's like oh my god this, this is so tiring yeah. to watch this so you're flaking through all the games you're not analysing any of them properly so, um, what's the solution? Okay, an additional highlights program. Brilliant. That's Saturday game. Excellent. We'll watch that. Have a recorded if you're out Saturday night. Go watch it Sunday morning. They have the two quarterfinals on Saturday on GA Go, and there's no Saturday game. Yeah. So there's a huge cohort of people in the country, huge GA fans, who probably didn't see a bit of action other than maybe the odd, like the David Clifford viral moment now with the pass. Yeah. So many people didn't see either of those games on Saturday. How do we get to this point? Like, I, the, it feels to me that they had, they're working backwards. They had to justify the introduction of GA Go and people who paid for it. So it put half of the quarterfinals behind it. Mm. And uh, that, you know, that will reward those people. But you have a huge cohort of people who didn't see any of it. How are they not free there? Like, at at, at yeah. that level. When you see a Kerry Tyrone game, I know obviously it was one sided in the end, but that rivalry to be behind a paywall. And even it was when the Rian O'Neill point went over in the Armagh Monaghan match. And Armagh had essentially all but won the game. And then McManus does what he does. Like I was thinking for that little exchange, I was like, "It's such a pity this is 
not on terrestrial television for just ne- neutrals to see. Oh, I know a lot of neutrals will have watched it on GA. No, and like Sky Sports was the alternative option last few years, and yeah. people always say like, look, look, like all these games weren't on free to air mm. all the time, like. But when you're getting to this stage of the championship, like you have to show the games to the majority of the country. And even then, if you can't show it on RT1 or RT2, use RT News Now. Use another channel that you have available. Yeah. But it's crazy. If you sit back and think like, geez, have we planned so much here that we're actually hurting ourselves here because GA Go was a great idea at the start of the year. Mm. And it, I thought it was great in the very early rounds. When yeah. you're like, was it uh, Sligo New York, I think was on it. And I, like, I was like, that's perfect for it, like if you want to watch that. Because there's going to be a cohort of people who want to watch that. Yeah. But then you get to the point where you're like, you Weekend. want to show the game to as many people as possible. So we also put the condensed season in amber as well. Mm. So you're flaking through the games at an unbelievable rate. Like, so we, so we have this weekend, we have the hurling semi-finals, then the football semi-finals, and the hurling final football final. Sure, it's all said and done. Like, <laughs> so they're hiding away the big game, the biggest part of GEA. So in the first half of the year, it has any sort of publicity at all, and then you're putting some of the biggest games behind GEA. Go, like they're hurting themselves. Yeah, no. My, my my sister was actually playing, I think, a junior club game in Connacht, um, and I was working here on the Saturday, and I could watch that on a stream, and I think I had to pay a tenner, and I was like, this is phenomenal, that I can play a tenner, pay a tenner to watch my sister play a junior club ladies game in Connacht, um, so it's a low level, yeah. like, really, albeit in Connacht, and that's one level, but to have a situation where, like, say, my father now, and I, I don't mean to, like, the old people of Ireland, flannel Ryan stuff here, but my father, our 4G where we live in Galway, is awful. Really, really bad. Right. So I paid for the Galway Derry game to watch for, for him to watch in the laptop Last at year. home. Um, Galway Tyrone, rather. Sorry, yeah. In, in, the, in, the, in the group stages, and it was really, really poor quality. But then to go to a situation where, and I'm with you, Colin, like earlier on in the season, to be, to be shown games like, like kind of peripheral games that you wouldn't want to see is a good thing and not every game should be live but when you have a situation where the likes of TG Carr is shown literally every club game under the sun and every league game under the sun and it's blanket blanket free to air GA all year and you don't have the two quarter finals on the Saturday shown I thought that was absolutely bizarre it was like both games not both games behind a paywall uh, in the All Ireland quarter finals and like this is a, a sport that we're that let's be honest I think Gaelic football can't take its um it's it's kind of position in Irish in the Irish narrative for granted because there's a lot of negativity around Gaelic football from diehard people that I talk to mm-hmm. and then putting games like so the Clifford piece of skill was behind a paywall I I real misgivings about that I have to say yeah it it, it leaves a, a strange taste in the mouth and look from a commercial business perspective I know it's it's profit making as well so I understand that you know putting Kerry Tyrone or Armagh Monaghan behind a paywall versus Sligo New York or whatever is going to make more money 12 euro pop I get that but it's just such a shame and, and look this is I, I'll reiterate I said it on Friday as well the actual coverage on Diego is, is amazing what like, to do with Diego exactly and I, I was watching Armand Monaghan on, on Diego and like the, there was analysis they were doing of Sean Jones's black card and it was brilliant like Aaron Kernan and Paddy Andrews were having a back and forth they were agreeing with each other but it was just the analysis is class uh, and the coverage is class Johnny that's a, a very good point as well the broadband Issue leads to a lot of people. It'd not be impossible for my father to watch that game in our yeah. house. Basically, yeah. it's not possible. That's the thing. So yeah, look, I, I think it deservedly is in the amber. Sorry, but how how was there not the Saturday game highlight? That as well. Like, yeah. That like if that happens, fine. Yeah. At least at least see the highlights. And look, I get on this weekend there was only four games, so I guess on a, on a, on a, on the Sunday game they had 
Yeah, but it's a bit of time to get into but on but Saturday but, but, then the, but then in the Sunday game so it's still two hours yeah. you're still trying to get through everything yeah, so true. just split it up yeah there's such a gap um, in fact it would be better like because you could you could actually then take your time analysing the game properly mm. so then you show enough because only two games so you show enough of the game yeah, and then you can analyse it properly with people invested in it and then you do the same on Sunday night and it's, it's a shorter show it's more palatable for people mm. Oh, it was a no-brainer. Like, yeah, no, I agree. So I think uh, let us know in your comments what you what you make of the whole GA go that uh, the two games on Saturday being behind the paywall. We'll get into the green lads, and I think deservedly this is a, this is a random one. I was tweeting this yesterday. It just struck me when I was watching the end of the Dublin Mayo game. So the four All Ireland minor semi finalists this season were Kerry, Monaghan, Derry, and Dublin, and it's going to be Monaghan Derry final next weekend. And then the senior semi-finalists are Kerry, Monaghan, Derry, Dublin. I think that 2014 was the last time that happened. That's a billion to one, really. So it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. To have the same four semi-finalists, the minor and senior. The, the group were just pulling away from the rest, Johnny. I think that's what we're... Monaghan are lumping themselves into that little group. Um, but all four, we've, we've touched on Kerry and, and um, uh, Dublin as well, of course. But um, Monaghan and Derry will, of course, go into their semi-finals as, as underdogs, big underdogs for some people. But that's just the way they like it. Derry were so purr in their semi-final against Galway last season that they will feel like they need a statement. And I think Kieran Mina was asked about it yesterday, and he, I think he felt there was a little bit of disrespect, you know, Derry maybe not getting some big wins in Croke Park. They did beat Clare in the quarterfinals of Croke Park last year. They got the win against Cork at the weekend. But they'll want a statement, a semi-final win. I, I thought it was a really polished performance. Like I was at the, I was at the semi-final last year, and um, I mean, as Derry were so negative that uh, I think they had to come back and recoil and say like we have to learn how to play a bit better than this. Mm. I thought their point taking was really really polished. Like their the first half as much as they couldn't put Cork away, they were hitting lovely lovely scores. They're very um, clinical. Like they seem to just know they, they have never a, panic. They never they didn't panic. panic. And I, I was an absolute killer. Like the, the Cork fullback with that goal, that was a beautiful goal. I thought because Rory McGuire, Rory McGuire, like, McGuire yeah, to, to make that run from the ball. position he was in and and the the, the way to the pass, everything about that, but the killer of conceding a goal straight away and when you can see a goal now in Gaelic football it really can take the gut out of you the um, marking was lax from Cork I think the, the goal they'd obviously still been well, no, I, I, yeah. think, I think the goal they realised geez, this late into the game but God, we have a chance here yeah. half time there's only a point in it Cork, mm. Cork scored three unanswered points right the stroke of half time mm. so you're very positive at the break um, I even texted Lee Keegan who was on air and RT he was like nice to Cork now they're doing well and he was <laughs> like yeah well yeah but if they keep it up like, and then I, that was the worry in the second half but like, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Like Maguire took the goal brilliantly, but then Conor Doherty within 60 seconds is, mm. is scoring for Derry, and that summed it up. And also the ease at which he scored, like, yeah, yeah, you know, it was like the last it five was actually, minutes of it. Unbelievable, of a game of a match, unbelievable you know. hop though as well for skill. Like, I know what this, uh, this is the thing that Gaelic football, Doherty, but Ga- yeah, but Gaelic football doesn't advertise the skill level. Like, there's so much negativity around like you know defensive structures. Some of the skill levels in all four games were phenomenal this yeah. weekend. That goal was among them. Yeah. And to be fair to Cork, Cork were the one team who will come home happy from the weekend because they know they've overachieved really this season compared to the narrative they kept in that game for right until the end pretty much and they they went back with their heads in their chests they were like we, we, we gave it a go like we, we um, they actually had a chance to score again at yeah. it was 8 points to 5 to level it that was yeah. just before yeah. their goal so Driscoll um, pulled it wide when it wasn't a great it was a good chance though but looked he pulled free it wide at the time, it it looked free, actually yeah. looked free so they did alright for a while but like they had some like, big scallops this year like. it's a bit like yeah is it like, like John Cleary would say the same as Kevin McStay like it's been a decent year yeah do you know the Roscommon win was fantastic like beating Mayo as well but for about three quarters of the game they were very good but at the end sure like like, Derry never got out of second gear let's be honest Mm. and also their composure was just Mm. so much superior to Cork because um, they knew themselves like that whenever they wanted they could set up which you saw in the the reaction to Cork's goal 
Yeah, hundred percent. You know, straight away, like. And the two teams have similar enough styles to watch. Darian Cork, like, uh, and I think the blanket defense was poor. Yeah. If you're neutral, like that game was dire. From Cork's I wouldn't say it was dire. Now, I, I, do you think so? No, I didn't find See, it dire. I, I was, I felt sorry watching it for people who were watching this. I was neutral. Mm-hmm. I still I got a strange. Uh, I thought it was only. I think the only, the only reason you found it interesting because it was relatively close for a while. Possibly, maybe it got back to a point or two. I thought Terry's point taking was very good, and they were very measured. It was, it was interesting to watch the Paul way they Cassidy, just, a couple of lovely well, scores. Clearly, yeah. said afterwards if if Carr could actually finish some of their chances, that it mm. would have been better again. And by like, the way, Brian Hurley obviously was carrying. Well, Hurley, injury, yeah, he like, came on like. But yeah. if, if Hurley, if you can get Hurley and Sherlock on the pitch together, yeah, for, for the whole game, that that's an issue. And like John Cleary mentioned after the game as well, Cork's middle eight is a little bit older. Yep. In, in age so that's probably a reason why they were maybe a bit flatter towards the latter stages for Derry but I still still think it's a great stepping stone for the, this Cork team yep. James Dunhu was full of praise for them at the start of the year and they've kind of achieved that next year they have to push on and get promotion to Division 1 I can't believe Cork are having their heads patted by the country uh, well deservedly so I know nobody nobody likes patting Cork on the heads but they yep. deserve it what about Monan though uh, I've been waiting for this can I, actually can I ask you one. big one now for you All right. what do Monaghan need to do to be Dublin it's a big question. Yeah. Six point underdogs, according to the bookies. Um, they need to keep it. T- it needs to be a point or two in it with sixty minutes gone. And at that stage, Monaghan just click into gear. Um, the kickouts, obviously, Dublin pushed massively on the Mayo kickout. Monaghan will be aware of that. The begging kickouts are going to be absolutely crucial against against Dublin, and they're going to need their fo- the forward line. Like the four M's are not even the forward line. McCarthy's a wing back, but he was unbelievable again at the weekend. McCarthy, Mohan, uh, McManus, and McCarn. I know McManus came off the bench, um, but the thing I'll say about Monaghan, uh, they gave us so many days out, and I was talking the weekend. There's a sign outside Castle Blaney at the middle of the big Monaghan crest that just says "Make it happen." And this Monaghan team have made it happen so often at the at the clutch moments. McManus getting a lot of the credit, rightly so, for those clutch moments of the weekend. But there was a couple of things that I noticed that, that represent how cool Monaghan can be in the latter stages of a game that is so perilously poised. There was the the um, the matter of celebration. So at the end of full time, McGinney comes on the pitch, remonstrates with the referee, loses the head, I would say, a little bit, mm. shoulders into Stevie O'Hanlon, has a few words with Michal Bannigan, is just getting involved. And at the same point, Vinnie Corey is composed, walking off the pitch. Might have his own issues with the Sean Jones black card, I have to say. Because after the game, McGinney starts saying, oh, we had a load of yellow cards, given out, given out of the yellow cards. Arma had four yellow cards. Monan had two yellow cards and a black card that was absolutely never a black card. So I don't think he can have many complaints about the, the card dishing out by Conor Lane. Um, so there was the composure level uh, reference. Even when Monan won the penalty shootout, Vinnie Corey just, little fist, walks off. Even um, during, the, during the, the penalty shootout, I noticed as well, Ethan Rafferty makes a save from Gary Mowen and celebrates like the, game is, like the shootout is over. And even after Began saves the, the winning kick, it's a it's a much more muted celebration, and I'd say the same for the Ray O'Neill and Conor McManus points. Like Armagh were essentially in their heads into the semi-finals, and and McManus literally as soon as he puts it over the bar, quick fist pump, runs over, grabs his water, gets ready for the shootout. So Monaghan have an iciness around the latter stages of a game. So I think if it, if they can get to within sixty sixty five, even within a couple of points of Dublin, Monaghan will will stay cool. And very quickly, would you start Conor McManus? It's worked this year, like. The, the, the week Saturday was probably the long or the most time he's had off the bench in, in any single game. Like, why why break a winning formula if it works? It works, and maybe he's better off coming off the bench. He's thirty six. You know, if the Dublin defenders are maybe a little bit tiring towards the end of the semi final, maybe McManus coming off the bench is exactly what's needed. So, um, I would say possibly don't change it. 
like there's a couple of, even the sorry the Hawkeye breaking as well. I don't know what happened there for that for that incident. Yeah, they the didn't use it yesterday. But it was just it was a bit it wasn't a news that's, yesterday. It's a, that's a farce. But like it, it could have been a much bigger talking point. Say if Manon had lost the game, or you'd, you'd have to say Manon are one of the most phenomenal teams in Irish sport in recent years for consistently just almost like always there. The, like the ability to provide Division One football to their oh, fans at home for year, years after year, after year after year after year, um, and that you, you almost felt. You're looking at Kieran McGinney's win records in general as a coach against this Monaghan team. You did feel that, and I mean, it's easy to say it after the event, but mm. it, it's phenomenal. Now, I, I, can't, I can't see any feasible way how you can live with Dublin on the basis of that performance. Mm. Everything but, needs to be perfect from a modern perspective. I'll, I'll but they should be everyone's second favourite team almost at this stage for just their defiance. Like, and living in a county that like is on the border wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, a lot of players I think playing and living in Dublin as well have to commute. Yeah. And I don't know, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And, and look, they, they, they have a ticket allocation probably of about thirty thousand man into the semi final, which is half which the is people half in the county. county. Like, which half is the county. And believe me, they will use that that ticket allocation. What uh, absolutely? Uh, so yeah, looking forward. Like, I mean, Aidan Forker should get a mention as well for Armagh. McGinney, yeah, I don't know what McGinney does from here. Does he? Is that the last we've seen of it? Or Kieran McGinney as the Armagh manager, possibly? Uh, no Ulster titles to, to his name as Armagh manager, and again a quarter final exit on penalties, three penalty shootout exits in twelve months. Is oh, Anthony Miles has plenty to say in it on the penalties. We we'll get to we we'll get to Anthony Miles shortly. The, the final green we'll just mention before we finish up, lads, very briefly is the boxing, uh, the European Games. Uh, some really really excellent results from an Irish perspective, Johnny, at the weekend. Yeah, Eva O'Rourke, who's uh, she'd be from Castlereagh. Um, down the road actually from where I'm from and uh, for her birthday as well she uh, took on um, Michelle from France and she spoke afterwards of the um, just the style of the game and the way that her coaches coached her through it but um, Kelly Harrington as well it was a phenomenal weekend for Irish boxing I think five medals in all Amy Wall first Irish kickboxer to win a gold Um, and yeah talk about punching above their weight in terms of boxing um, particularly the the women boxers and um, yeah, she's uh, what a birthday present, and I think her her smile afterwards. Um, you know, I, I'm not much into boxing, but it was, it was interesting reading about Eva. Her smile afterwards is worth a million dollars. Yeah, it was class. Only France won more medals than Ireland mm. the weekend. Oh, really? Five medals in total. One bronze, one silver, two to go with those three golds. So look, I like Irish boxing, a combat sport, has never been in doubt in terms of the quality. But like, great to see it. Yeah. Um, Rejuvenated again, and also everyone reminded over the weekend, and then a year out from the Olympics. Not bad. Yeah, Michaela Walsh with the bronze, and I, I'd say I'm speculating here, but I think the coaching levels at Irish boxing at the moment must be very, very good because yeah, um, Zorantia, yeah. and is yeah. legend, like yeah, arrived in Ireland 20 years ago. Look what he's done! Like what a story, what and they all they all speak so incredibly highly of him, yeah. and he's so publicity shy that you're never going to hear from him, which adds to the mystique. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So 13 days of competition in Poland, 121 Irish athletes competing across 17 sports, uh, and the team Ireland medal tally is that as we're saying there is 13, five in boxing, five in kickboxing, and one each in athletics, rugby, and taekwondo. So, Huge. From Irish perspective, that's 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 brilliant. Uh, so, uh, eight, twelve, to say seven. It's eight twelve a.m. on this uh, Monday morning's OTB and the sports breakfast 42 show. Forty-two minutes in already. Forty-one of them about Monaghan. <laughs> to be honest, I, I bit my tongue on Monaghan there for a while. I had, you uh, had more opportunity uh, here. Exactly, I did yeah. very well. Brayburn Coffee should mention is the official coffee partner of OTB. Brayburn Coffee coming to an Apple Green near you. New Brayburn locations are popping up every month, so visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Brayburn to find your nearest Brayburn Coffee experience. After the break, as we said, Anthony Moyles reflecting further on the weekend's All-Ireland Senior Football quarterfinals. OTB AM Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? You have to end the first 
the first sentence that I said, like, if you have fear of failure, you will not succeed. You must have the guts to fail to succeed. I definitely think that I've felt the pressure here the last two weeks that I've honestly never, ever felt in my life the way it's been lingering on. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Yeah, Monday mornings, OTBM at a quarter past eight. Uh, and thanks for joining us, as per usual. We're here until 10 o'clock on OTBM, the Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Anthony Moyles, good morning. How are things? Morning, gents. How are we? Keeping well, keeping well. We've had a lot of uh, tweets. I've had a lot of tweets. I'm sure you've had a lot of tweets as well from uh, support uh, from the kingdom uh, because uh, I predicted, a bit like yourself, Tyrone, that to, to show up at the weekend and, uh, well, either they didn't show up or Kerry did show up, but uh, we're both getting a lot of messages, I think, Anthony. Yeah, I got one or two, all right, Shane. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't realise the Kerry lads got so worked up over a uh, you know measly old quarter final, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I, the funny thing is, I didn't get many messages last week after I said it. So mm. uh, kind of after the fact messages, which is uh, which is interesting. So what that tells me is that uh, I think they were, if they were being honest with themselves, they were equally as worried coming into the game. Um, you know, and I think that's true, you know, uh, but I was getting messages, yeah, I was getting messages from all over, from Kerry lads. I even got a message from a a, a, a lad here in Dunshockland who who says to me, you bollocks, Miles, he said, me and Owen, that's his son, Owen O'Connor. This is a lad, Bell O'Connor, gas man. He says, me and Owen have money on Tyrone on your OTB advice. No chips on the way home tonight, he said. <laughs> so uh, wasn't wasn't a happy man, poor old Bell. Yeah. But it's it's... You know, I, I think, like, if you actually analyse the form, which we I looked at, you know, Kerry weren't showing anything coming into the game. You know, had beaten a, a, a Loud, who were beaten Dockers, you know, struggled over Cork. Mayo obviously handed it to them in Fitzgerald Stadium. Um, and whereas Tyrone were showing that they were starting to come good, you know, they were showing that bit of bite and that intensity that they've had over, you know, the, 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 especially the year when they won the All-Ireland. Um, we're showing obviously some serious prowess and ability up front, um, and loads of energy. And they had absolutely, it's just amazing to see that it completely flipped on its head. Like they were just devoid of absolutely all of that, especially in the second half. But you could see loads of instances of it in the first half where they were really teetering on the edge. But was it, I mean, was it down any to, like, Kerry's defence for me was absolutely phenomenal. Now, I was reflecting on this today, like, I really fancied Mayo against Dublin. I thought, I, I wasn't sure what to make of Dublin. And when you think you get to this stage where two people, three people can call two games so, so badly wrong, where did this Kerry performance come from? Yeah, Johnny, I think, like... Look, Kerry are always Kerry, okay? So they have that ability. They're not all Ireland champions for, 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 for no reason. Um, I just don't think they weren't showing a serious amount of intensity. I think they were, they were being a little bit passive. I thought, you know, when they played Mayo, obviously in Fitzgerald Stadium, um, Mayo had an ability where they pulled Morley left and right and they made, they left big, big gaps down that center channel. I think the major flaw that Tyrone fell into was Tyrone didn't change it up. I thought McShane probably should have started. I think they needed a fulcrum. They needed a centre point. They needed someone right in on that full forward line to cause Morley to turn around and have to go back towards his goal. Um, so that seems like a very small thing, but it's actually a big thing because what can happen is you can put a hand pass in over his head, force him to turn around, and then you can feed runners like the Canavan young lads coming in left and right who've got that skill, ability, agility, and speed to be able to move out. 
away and get scores. But what happened was Tyrone or Kerry just filled the, the middle. They just filled the D. And, and Tyrone continuously tried to come around the corners. They brought every single attack down the centre. They had very, very little width. Um, very few scores from them came from outside, you know, kind of left and right of the D. Um, and ultimately, they were just nabbed every time, turned over, turned over. And of course, that gave Kerry fuel and it gave them much more energy. Um, and I think Johnny, honestly, I, they, they looked completely leggy to me. Um, and I'm not just saying that tiredness is an excuse. I think Kerry were by far the better team, but there's a point. There's, I think there's a, there's a shot where McCurry has a free, um, and he has just missed one. And I think it's about nine seven, um, and absolutely no one is showing for him. You can see him; he do, he doesn't necessarily want to kick it. He's saying to himself, "This is I've, I've already missed one. The, the breeze is swirling around. This is a long kick for me." And you can see he's toe tapping and he's looking for someone to show. And it, it, the camera kind of zoomed out, and absolutely no Tyrone player was making an effort for him. Now that just says it, again, it's a small thing, but it just kind of gives you a little kind of uh, uh, insight into. How they were feeling, their energy, you know, their their I suppose their 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 body language, um, and I think they resigned themselves to that very very quickly. Now on the flip side, Kerry were fantastic. I think mm-hmm. Kerry brought Kerry brought what they needed to bring. Kerry did the bullying last week, and you know everyone expected that Tyrone would do it. Well, Kerry Kerry did it, and a number of the Kerry lads who were questioned, like O'Connor, and you know even probably Paddy Clifford a little bit. You know, there was loads of lads getting into Tyrone faces. They were bringing the fight to Tyrone and they were saying to them, listen, we're not going back today. Um, so so that's a good thing to see from a Kerry perspective because then they can mix both. And I thought Morley was fantastic. Morley is a really, really class player, very intelligent fella on the pitch. Um, and you can just see how, how he organizes things. And, and as I say, Tyrone fell into the trap of not trying to get him out of there and they, and they, and they, and they paid the price for that. There was the accuracy from, from Shawnee O'Shea as well. Did he kick 1-5 possibly in the game overall? Like finished that goal at the end of that unbelievable David Clifford over the shoulder sideline pass. I don't know how he, how he did it. Um, I, actually, I'm going to just put this forward, right? Mm. I think the David Clifford thing is at once kind of... It's part genius and it's part complete potluck because David Clifford... I don't know if you listen, Anthony. He sums this up so brilliantly after the game. He's like, there are two lads going to absolutely barrel me over the sideline. I literally had one option, kick it before it goes out. Yeah. And he has that bit of awareness. Now, I think only David Clifford could actually do this. But at the same time, I'm thinking... Um, it was kind of one of these things that looked almost better than it was um, and the frightening thing is he was on the periphery of the game like he, he wasn't even he just kind of half turned up he didn't need to yeah well he was uh, when I saw the pass going down to him from I think Paddy kicks it to him I was like oh jeez <laughs> yeah. I because I think Hansi and there was there was definitely two of them yeah. there mm. coming for him uh, and, and like there was nowhere else to go bar he was getting murdered so if he'd caught the ball he would have been absolutely crucified there's no doubt about it uh, and, and those two lads would have taken their opportunity as which was rightly so but yeah the skill was but still Johnny it's it's you know, if I tried to do something like that, I'd probably end up in row C in, 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 in the Hogan because I'd trip over myself and nearly kill myself, whereas he still has the dexterity and the ability to do it. And as you say, the awareness to know, he probably just had a quick look behind him. Well, so I was thinking, Anthony, like, I know he was he was supposed to be very good at soccer, like, when he was younger. And I was the first thing that came into my head when I saw that was, Jesus, this, that's like a pass you'd play in midfield in soccer. Like, it was that good. It was a complete soccer pass, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look, he's... 
it, listen, he, he's an amazing player. And, and of course, and we spoke about this last year, Shane, you know, and not that the Kerry lads will remember this when we were lauding <laughs> Kerry, but, you know, no, no. what has what he has become is he's become a man mountain. Like, he, he himself and O'Shea, you, you don't bully those lads too easy now. Three or Two or three years ago, when they were only starting out, you know, I remember Dublin played them and, you know, Tyrone, you could kind of give it to them and, you know, hope to try to get into their head. There's, there's none of that now. Like, these lads are have grown up they're mature. Um, they're well able to mix it for you. They'll give it to you as well. Um, and I know I'm talking about, but but that does matter in quarterfinals and semifinals. It's it's an attitudinal thing as much as anything else. It's it's what you're willing to bring to the party, um, the skill and all those different things. But it's it's that intensity. It's that willingness to you know go down on balls where you probably shouldn't go down fifty fifties or sixty forties against you. Um, and Kerry brought that. And I think Tyrone were slightly. I wouldn't say shocked by it, um, but I think I think you know it's amazing. Even though it was close enough in the first half on the scoreboard, I think if you actually go back and analyse that first half, you'd say Tyrone got some you know pretty good individual scores, whereas Kerry were literally just toying with them a little bit. And and, and you know what? The, I, I remember I, I sent a, a message out. I just said this could end up a hiding here if Tyrone don't get the finger out and, and, and it could have been even worse for them. The, yeah. the tally situation that you mentioned, like, you mm. know, he's obviously a great reputation, but I don't know, Anthony, are you, are you slightly downplaying how 99 out of 100 this Kerry defensive performance was? The, look, I, I, I don't, like, the thing, Johnny, is, I know I'm, I'm, I'm stuttering here, but Gavin White, unbelievable player. Like, I think he's been hampered a bit by injury early on the season. So that's the first time I've seen him this year where he was getting back to his best of last year. You know, O'Sullivan, if you look what they did as well, and, and, and the management have to get a lot of credit for this, this, they, they picked certain Tyrone fellas out and they said, I tell you what we're going to do. We're not going to let these lads dictate to us. So Matty Donnelly is usually a bit of a quarterback for Tyrone. He usually likes to sit in the pocket behind midfield and spray balls left and right. Matty Donnelly spent I'd say whatever amount of time he was on the pitch, I think he was hauled off about 55 or 60 minutes, but he spent that 60 minutes chasing O'Sullivan back towards his own goal. So all he was doing was running back. If you watch McCurry, the amount of times McCurry ended up sprinting back towards his own goal. Mm. Um, so what that does is it says, listen, we're going to take you all the way down here and you're going to have to come all the way back up to get a score. So the Kerry full back line and half back line deserve a massive amount of credit because not only Johnny, it's very, very difficult. You know, you know, when you're set in that defensive position, and, and how energy sapping it can be to be moving across left, right, covering off runs, everything else, to then be able to go and be able to support a player as soon as you get the ball. That's a difficult thing to do. And it's a very, very energy sapping thing to do. And then to have the wherewithal when you get up there to kick scores as they did. Um, that, that, that I thought. So not only from a defensive point of view, were they excellent? But from an offensive point of view, that when they when they turn the ball over, by Jesus, they got up in support. Um, and and ultimately, you know, I know we talk about Monaghan and we talk about Mayo, but that is where the modern game is at the moment. It's the ability of those defenders to join the attack at speed and add all the plus ones. Because you know your forwards are generally looked after up top, but these guys actually bring the extra width and the, and, and 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 the extra kind of vigor in attack. Yeah, and I think we'd we'd rightly pointed out that Kennedy and Kilpatrick were two of the best midfielders in the country, and certainly one of the, one of, if not the best midfield partnerships in the country. So, uh, I guess the expectation was that they would dominate that midfield, and we should say that Jeremy O'Connor and Jack Barry were both supreme. So that that's that's one area of the pitch, I guess, Anthony, that we weren't expecting Kerry to dominate, but they did. 
Well, Shane, there were there were there was question marks over them, and I think rightly so. Like I, you know, I think if you sat down Dermot O'Connor and Barry and said to them, "How you know pre the game, how's your season going?" I don't think they'd be very very happy with it. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, you can only analyze what's in front of you. You can say, "Oh, I wish," and blah blah blah, maybe. But like if you're going on quality, um, what, sorry, what you've seen in the in the last number of matches, that's where they were. The midfield was poor. They were lacking intensity. They were lacking aggression. Um, they weren't really joining the attack very very well. They, they seemed slow and dittering on the ball. But, like, I, I, I worried for them a bit against Kendi and Kilpatrick because those two guys were bringing a massive amount of energy into it, switching between full forward and midfield, joining the attack well. But they just cleaned them out. Mm. They cleaned them out, absolutely. And I felt sorry for, like, Tyrone were doing a lot of these. If you look at the previous game against Donegal, where they would come into the line, you know, as as an attacking force. There was three or four options always off the shoulder. You know, they were coming at different angles. Whereas last weekend, it was always just one player, one player coming at an angle. And of course, Tyrone had set the trap and just bang, they were turning the ball over repeatedly, as, as I said already. Those two guys were brilliant, uh, really, really good. The big question for them is, though, um, will they be able to repeat it? Because the next the next challenge, that midfield isn't too handy either now. Yeah, Colin Glass and Brendan Rodgers up next for, for the mm-hmm. Kerry lads. So they've had they've probably had that Kerry midfield that will have to have played the two best midfield pairings in the country in two games in a row in the Tyrone and Derry midfield partnership. So that'll be that'll be a fascinating one. It's Der- Derry are going to just approach the game so differently yeah. because I mean, you think so? Does, there has to be a little bit of you have to be a little bit frightened looking at that Kerry performance. Considering like Clifford was in for he was in for a goal that was sort of pulled back for a free when he, the the advantage could have been played. Nearly scored a goal at the end. So even though he was on the periphery, he still I thought he was, still was excellent. If you're Derry, what do you do? Like I mean. And, and Derry are a really, really well-coached team, I think, Andy. Well, if you look at their game, and I know I heard your boys chatting, like, the one thing you would talk about that game, if you're just trying to sum it up in one word against Cork, was control. Mm. So, so Derry, Derry, Derry control you. Um, what they essentially do is they, they are one of the best teams that as soon as they want... It, it's like it's like having a balloon. They can They can take air out of the balloon when they want... And then they can pump the air back in when they choose to. And um, they can burst it if they want as well. So, you know, if you watch the game and you watch the ebb and flow, and I know people were giving out, but that they don't care whether, whether supporters uh, like what they're doing or not. Like, I mean, they're there to win games, uh, and they're there to win the, 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 the All Ireland. And what they do is they control the game continuously from, from minute one to minute 70 odd. Um, and their whole idea is, is that if you get a run on us, we'll just take control back of the game. Mm. Uh, they very rarely get into an arm wrestle. Very rarely. It's usually done on their terms. Now, there will come a point in that Kerry game, I, I, absolutely, I think 100%, where, where, where Kerry need to bring that bit of anarchy into it. Where Kerry need to bring that bit of where Derry are slightly losing their head. I can't remember who it was in one Ulster Championship match this year, but there was a sense of that. I'll, you come back to me. But... You need to bring them out of that comfort zone where they're all kind of, you know, taking their time, tipping the ball around, you know, choosing to the runners. They're doing their set plays, all that stuff. You need to get them out of that. And that, I think, really is the only way to beat them. Now, how do you do that? Well, I think what you do is you you, you certainly repeat what you had previously, uh, as in this week, uh, from a Curry perspective. So you bring that intensity, you bring that tackling, you bring all of that. But I think you nearly have to bring the game to them. You have to squeeze up on Derry and you have to force Derry out of that comfort zone, as I said. If you give them the ball and let them dictate and try to counterattack them, they're well used to that. 
You know, so I think you really have to change things around again. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating game, by the way, because Derry, Derry, for me, you know, I know people were saying, oh, Cork were well in that game and they were. And I think Cork have improved massively, but I, I, I never ever worried that Derry were going to lose that game. You know, even when they got the goal, I was thinking Derry would come down the field here. They'll just strangle this game and they get a point or two. Now, ultimately, they got, they got a goal straight away. But they could have got a one or two more, you know. So um, Derry are in good stead, um, and I know we can talk about it more maybe in, in, in when when we're previewing the game. But it's 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 about trying to get them, Johnny. I think it's trying to get them where their their head is a little bit fried. You know, you can't you can't have them thinking that it's nice and you know easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but they look so in control that it looks like they're just kind of going through their patterns where you need to try to try to try, try to shake them out of that, I think. Yeah, I I'd be I'd be astonished if Derry beat like I'd be astonished if they won that game. Because if you look at Cork did get in for three point swing with the bookies. I, I mean, I'm just thinking already of in my head. Like my, I, I, I think that's a great bet. But yeah. it's, it's, it's look. If you look at Cork, actually got in for half goal chances in the first half as well. They did get a goal. They sort of nearly had another goal chance. Kerry are miles better than Cork. And it's just Kerry's defending yesterday, Shane. Is I, I, I'd be amazed now. And I'm, I'm no, I'm no expert, but what I saw this weekend, Kerry are miles, miles better than than Anton Bar Dublin at the moment on that display. Possibly. Well, I think, I think, I think the big thing, Shane. I think the big thing, Johnny. I, I don't. There's a reason why Derry have to do what they have to do, right? Um, and the reason is, is that they don't have the forward yeah. prowess Derry have. Okay, so 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 they have to control it. They have to control it. They have to get McGuigan and certain lads, Doherty and certain lads, onto the ball, Rogers at certain times, and provide them the platform to get the scores. Like I mean, the Brendan Rogers, you can nearly you, can, you you know as soon as he gets the ball, you could if someone said to you, you weren't watching, you'd say yeah he's getting it in a central channel. He's going to dip his shoulder left. He's going to bounce past the player, and he's going to clip it over his right foot. How many of those scores has he got? That, that there's there's they're designed because when they after after a long period of time when they have the ball, they isolate him in the middle of the pitch, generally against another midfielder. That doesn't happen just by chance. So Kerry will have obviously, I think, the better forwards, and I think Derry will over rely on one or two. And if Kerry have the the defenders, which they have. To, to pick off the McWiggins and a couple of others, I think it might be, it might be, it, it'll be a Kerry win and that's for them. Now, the only thing I would, I would argue against is if Derry can pull Morley left and right, because Derry do play with a lot of width. And if they can get Morley out of that center half back position and pull him left and right, a la Mayo when, in, in that game, well, then they could find some, uh, uh, uh um, they could find some 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 ability straight down the middle and some some openings um, where they can come tearing down the middle, which they did against Cork as well. So, look, I don't think it'll be all Kerry. Uh, Derry are there on merit, um, and you know they've got a decent backline themselves. Um, so, so it's it, I think it's going to be a cracking game too. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. Um, I'm probably biased in saying Monaghan are one of the stories of the championship so far. But if you think back to the even Rhino Tools last minute goal against Tyrone in the Ulster Championship, and then the, the, the even drawn with Derry uh, in the group, beating Clare, the, like the last minute antics against against Kildare, the the way in which the, the game was played at the weekend, and Anthony, I guess they have a big task against Dublin in the semi final. But but looking at the weekend, I mean. The way Armagh set up, and I know it was a tight game and it could have gone either way in, in the end on a shootout, but it was methodical, it was a slow-down approach, which suits Monaghan down to a T. It was almost like Armagh were maybe too negative, and, and Monaghan were probably licking their lips at the way Armagh had set up. Yeah, we probably don't have time to talk about Monaghan, though, do we? <laughs> no, go on, we'll give you an extra half an hour here, go on. <laughs> 
you know what? I played against Vinnie Curry, and the one thing I've noticed, and the one thing I realized, well, well, you know, there was plenty of fellas in that modern team we used to battle against a lot because we used to meet them in league and and, and uh, championship. But Vinnie was a fella who would literally be dragged off the pitch with the boots on. Like, I mean, he would never go back, right? He he would never, ever know when it was done. Um, and teams quite often, the best teams, are formed in the image of the management and the manager. Um, and what they'll do is they will take on the attributes and the values and all those different things of the manager. Um, and I see that in Monaghan. Absolutely, with this with 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 this thing, you know, um, they are resilient to the end. They have no lack of cojones. Like I mean, Jesus, some of the stuff they did, McManus again. Like I mean, you know, you kind of you start to run out of superlatives. His first touch, I think we said it. I remember a couple of weeks ago, you played in summer game, but his first touch, he gets fouled and he sticks that that free. I like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Where it was, you know, like he never even thinks. And by the way, you're talking about he's not looking to go short ever. He's thinking, no. yeah, this is a score for me. Um, his 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 score at the end, obviously to level it. Grugan will be having absolute nightmares because I don't think he needed to foul him, mm. even put a near him. Mm. Um, and he, Rory had a great game himself, but you know he just panicked and he panicked when he saw McManus. And McManus makes you do that kind of stuff, you know. Um, but I think they were absolutely fantastic, Shade. Like you know, I I think and and I think our ma. In the cold light of day, they will be absolutely kicking themselves again. Yeah. Um, they had three chances in that extra time, and you know, extra time is all about those tr- first three or four minutes of that first set of extra time. It's about if you can get a couple of scores ahead, you know, well then you can kind of control it and see it out. And they were a point up, and they had three chances to go two, three, four up. And even if they've gotten two of those. And what had happened was they brought on a couple of subs, a few subs got the ball and they rushed and they took the wrong option and they went for scores instead of trying to get it to the scorers, you know, which they did with Reen O'Neill to get obviously the one just before McManus's equaliser. They needed to just be able to control it and calm that. Um, and, but you know what? Monaghan stayed in it and they brought it into penalties. And then of course it was just, it was just, it was just, uh, you know, who, who was going to take it. But like, they are, you know, getting back into the game. I thought McCarthy. McCarthy has is playing like oh, all star guaranteed, isn't it? Uh, like he's just he is absolutely like. But again, it goes back to what we were saying, Johnny, about this. Your five and your seven are so important. Like Carlo Connell and him mm. are so important for that Mayo team. They bring absolutely everything to that Mayo team. And and what Bottom. happens is. Mm. Or sorry, Monaghan team. From from a defensive point of view, what happens is you, you're you're squared off against your forwards and everything else, and you're trying to close off the space. Mm. And next, this guy comes out of nowhere where there is space at pace, and he gets slipped the ball, and he steps inside, and it's very very difficult to mark because you now have to rush out towards him. Because if you leave him, he's just going to stick it over the bar, which they do. So it causes mayhem. Um, and Monaghan have really done that. Like if you think of McCarthy at the start of the championship, I think he started eleven in mm. one of in games um, and he went straight back in half back I, th- I think that was one of the first rounds Shane and then they were being well bet uh, and he went back in half back and it just turned the game around so you know Corey there's there's no lack of leadership there uh, and there's no lack of smarts on the sideline as well you know I know I know I know uh, um, you know is, is is on the sideline yeah, as yeah. yeah Gabriel's on the side so um, like I mean they're, they, they have a smart setup and they're doing very well and you know what they're there on merit um, and Armagh, 
people would say that Armagh have been cautious all year, that they didn't really, you know, push back the shoulders and go for it. And I think ultimately that caught them. You know, I think ultimately it caught them. They might say, listen, we want to control games a bit like Derry as well. But I think Armagh have a bit more in the forward line that they need to be able to do these cross-field balls more that we saw a bit of. And they got some great scores. Mm. But then at times they're saying, Jesus, go for it. Go, go more for it. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think McGinney will be sick. And I know he was given out about the referee and the timekeeping and all that. But, you know, that's for another day. Um, I thought it was, it, uh, listen, I saw people giving out about the game. I thought it was an absolutely fascinating game. Mm, and I yeah. thought mm. that's probably, really, probably the perfect word for it. Fascinating for sure. Uh, Vinnie, Vinnie Coy was my leaving cert economics teacher. So we'll have to, I know all about his leadership. We'll get him in, in studio after the final, of course, after Monaghan win the final. Uh, maybe I'm being too optimistic there but listen uh, Anthony we, we didn't get touching on the, on the dubs we'll talk the dubs maybe next week previewing the, that semi-final against Manon and we'll, we're going to be talking uh, with Keith Higgins shortly about Mayo so Anthony brilliant stuff as always thanks a million no bother cheers lads stuff Anthony Moyles on the line there former Meat Star uh, assessing the weekend's action we've got a lot of comments Johnny um, Damien Hanley says I thought the Kerry lads bullied Tyrone for sure it's great to see them play with that edge combined with their class they will be hard to stop Uh, C. Bracken says Kerry looking like they'll go all the way Dublin impressive in the second half but if they repeat their first half performance Kerry will beat them easily yeah well I I don't know I mean they spoke about this I think Baskell said at at half time that sounded a a little bit like Leinster rugby kind of stick to the process here and the first quarter the second the third quarter of the game they're phenomenal but like with due respect to and I mean this in a nice possible way with due respect to uh, Derry and Monaghan mm. like this could be one of the greatest greatest All-Ireland Finals of all time on yeah. the basis of what we saw the, the skill levels of these players and I know people knock where Gaelic football has gone I'd be with Anthony I, I thought the Monaghan game was fascinating mm. and I think you, you, have to, game, but, oh. you have to find a way to win as well and like as much as a lot of it might seem like nothing's happening a lot is happening yeah. like, and if you if you if you're up from the coaching perspective and you have to figure out a way of how to beat Dublin and Kerry um, next weekend it's it's compelling stuff but I, I do think that that the performances of Dublin and Kerry at the weekend is going to be one of the greatest All Ireland finals ever if they get there. And obviously, I hope for you that it, it's not the case, but it's going to be phenomenal. Hopefully, they don't. Uh, from a, from a perspective, but yeah, from a, from a neutral perspective or from a Dublin Kerry perspective, what like, if it's anything like the semi final last year? Uh, you, you could be looking at, as you say, one of the greatest All Ireland finals of our times. Eight forty a.m. on this Monday morning to OTBM. We're going to talk more Mayo now. Uh, sticking with what a dramatic weekend it was in the All Ireland Senior Football Championship. Um, Certainly that Monadar Mag game was dramatic, but uh, from Mayo perspective, I guess it's disappointing. Keith Higgins joins us on the line now. Morning, Keith. Morning, lads. How are things? Keeping well, keeping well. How are you feeling yourself after uh, after watching that unfold yesterday afternoon? <laughs> not great, not great. Um, yeah, look, it was disappointing, wasn't it? I think before the game, it was just kind of really hard to call how it was going to go. Um, same way up at halftime, pointing it, thought Mayo were playing well, and then... 35 minutes of, I suppose, utter Dublin dominance and that's it for another year, I suppose. You're, you're 38 now, Keith. Just, just if you were to put your mind in the mind of some of the players who might be considering retirement, is it not like, is it not really demoralising to have two exits like you've had in the last 12 months? Yeah, it is. Um, and I think this year in particular is probably very frustrating as well when you consider, you know, a reasonably good league campaign that you get a league title out of it. I suppose hopes are kind of fairly high and then you have a championship where you lose to Roscommon you lose to Cork and you lose very heavily to Dublin um, so overall this championship it's it's been very poor I suppose to be quite honest you know there was that big victory in Killarney but um, yeah completely overshadowed then so yeah for the older guys I suppose look it'll take 
a bit of soul searching. They'll have to, I suppose, see where things are going, see where they fit into the plans. And yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a tough few months for them, no so doubt. You'd say a very poor championship. I think so. I mean, like realistically, what a good win down in Clarny, but Kerry were way off at that day. You know, mm. looking back on it, um, you know, you lose to Roscommon at home. You lose to Cork in a game you should have won. You struggled past Loud. Um, a decent game against Galway, but again, again, you look at the, the Dublin game and that completely overshadows everything, I suppose. So look, three losses um, in a championship year. Um, it's kind of hard really to say it's Anthem, but uh, you know, it's hard to kind of find the pauses out of it, to be honest, I suppose. Uh, the start of the game yesterday, Keith, um, Ryan O'Donoghue, for example, looked bang on form. And, uh, you know, when you're kicking like that early on, you're thinking, well, this could be Mayo of old, you know, and sticking with them. And I think Dublin led by a point at half time, but probably Mayo maybe edged that first half. I would have thought so, yeah. I think when we got, when we were able to move the ball quickly into the full forward line, into Tommy, into Ryan, um, we looked kind of dangerous enough. The boys looked dangerous, they looked on form. Um, you know, Tommy got one score, one other freedom on the sideline. Obviously, Ryan was kicking some good scores. Um, you know, and even, I suppose, not that the Dublin goal, first goal was kind of against one of player anthem, but it didn't feel like they were under huge pressure in that first half. Mm. Do you know, if they'd have gone in a point or two up, you wouldn't have been surprised with the way the game was going. Um, so, yeah, I thought they were in a really good spot. But like I said, it's just, you know, what can you say? I suppose it hasn't been said in the last kind of 12 hours or 18 hours since the game. It was just, it was like Dublin Bowls. You know, their forwards just looked like they... They were a step ahead every time. They knew what was going on. They found the space so much easier. They were kicking points for fun. Obviously, all the take talk of James McCarthy, the performance he put in the second mm-hmm. half. And Mayo just, you know, once Dublin got that second goal um, and they clipped on a few points, they went seven points up. Mayo just looked like they were trying to force it a bit, kind of nearly reverted back to old habits of kind of trying to run down the centre, kind of really trying to force it without kind of being a bit patient and looking to kind of get the main guys on the ball. And yeah, it just... You know, once Dublin goes seven points up or six points up there, they're going to start cruising. Mayo started forcing it. The space is up the other end and the, the Dublin just started picking off scores for fun then after that, didn't they? C. Bracken has commented in this morning to us again uh, saying the two-week break needs to be looked at. Mayo and Tyrone clearly affected after two attritional games last weekend. Can't help but wonder how much better games could have been. He's got a fair point there, I guess, Keith, but I think that the most um, important point in Mayo's calendar year was that comeback from Cork like that six point turnaround because that of course leads to the game in, in, in Salt Hill which as you say they get over the line against Galway just but you know that that having that massive game a week before you have a game like at the weekend just gone has to have affected the players physically um, yeah I suppose look you, in hindsight you'd have to say it did um, look I don't know what how the lads were after that Galway game or anything like that look we look back, I suppose, to 2017. I know it's, it was a different, even the size of football back then were different. And we kind of went five or six, nearly weeks. We were playing back-to-back, you know. So when you're winning, momentum is great. There's no problem with it, I suppose. It's when you lose and you look back at it and you think, obviously, you're playing week on week, took its toll, you know. So, But like you said, that, that court game, that last 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the court game was crucial. You know, you win that game, um, you top the group, you have your two-week break. And the two-week break is the ideal, I suppose, time frame in between games, you know. So... Um, look, that'll be the one they look back on and probably see how the championship could have turned out a bit different. But ultimately, like I see, when you look at the performance in that second half, were they anywhere near where Curry and Dublin are at the moment? Far from it. So, um, yeah, look, that's the Cork 15 minutes will be the, the turning point. But 
at the same time, I think there's bigger questions to be asked as well. Is is it just demoralising though as well? Because I think he like you can say, well, um, you know, you should be coached to be sort of peaking at this time. And Kerry looked like a team that we hadn't even seen all year. They're just like, okay, well now now we'll actually turn it on. But like, is it just a? This is my question. If I'm a Mayo lad who's sort of 33, 34 this morning, and Lee Keegan decided 12 months ago, right, I'm done here, and Lee Keegan's not regretting that decision now. Are you looking at this and saying you're looking at that Kerry performance? You're looking at the age of David Clifford. You're looking at the Dublin bench yesterday, and you're saying, what's the point in giving this another year? Because we're just not at that level at the moment. No, I don't think that that's ever going to cross your mind. I think Lee mentioned plenty of times his reasons for stepping away, his family circumstances yeah. changed, etc. There's not too many other lads there, Barrett, Kevin McLaughlin, I think, who have young family with two young kids, you know. So Lee's situation was different. There's other lads there. I mean, you, you look at James McCarthy. What age is he now? 35, mm-hmm. is he? Um, you know, he, he looked like a guy who was probably 25 the way he was playing the second half over there. So I don't think age has a lot to do with it, really. I think you look at kind of the, the league or the season Mayo had, they really kind of did go for the league early on. Do you know, they had a mm. full strength team nearly all the way through the league. They really put an emphasis on it, probably similar to what Kerry did last year. And then they put an emphasis on they had to win the league because Jack O'Connor wanted to make a statement. They were able to carry that form through. Um, now, albeit the championship structure was different back then. Um, so Mayo put a huge emphasis on the league. Did it have a knock on effect towards the, the latter stage of the championship? It's hard to know. But at the same time, I think. The likes of Dublin Kerry this year, they were able to kind of plan out their year a bit, a bit better. Kerry didn't really put an emphasis on the league. They knew coming, you know, even Munster Championship, probably not a huge emphasis on it. They knew they were kind of focusing on the group stage of the championship and getting getting back to Coe Park. And that's when, from the performance that we saw the last day. Dublin probably similarly enough. They knew they were going to come through Leinster fairly handy, I suppose. Um, and again, they'd have been just kind of looking to kind of focus on this time of year, whereas Mayo obviously put a huge emphasis on the start of the year, put a big workload in there. So you're kind of merely trying to peak at two different stages. They're mm. trying to, you know, mm. so they were, they looked like they were ahead of a lot of teams early on the league, you know, but that's sometimes that happens when a new manager comes in as well. So I think it's, it's very different when you look at different teams or at different stages, different years, depending on where the manager is, where the team has been. Like I said, there will be some guys on that team who will probably have to do a lot of thinking. I mean, like I said, Kevin McLaughlin has three young kids there as well. I mean, you couldn't ask much more of him. Um, Jason Doherty's come back from a lot of tough injuries as well obviously he's kind of played well enough in some of the games he's come on this year and then I suppose probably Aidan and Killian probably the next two people are looking at but there's still plenty of football in, in those guys you know they keep themselves in good shape Killian was a bit unlucky with injuries again there was a bit of a setback through him in the middle of the year so I wouldn't go ruling them out um, but look it's completely up to them guys what they want to do I don't think they want anything else at this stage that third quarter, we're used to seeing Dublin do what they do in the third quarter, Keith, I guess, and that period after half-time, as you say, just uh, put the nail in, in, in Mayo's championship coffin. Um, Aidan O'Shea's removal from the game on, what was it, 47 minutes? Like he, I thought he was having a, a reasonable game, getting involved, certainly mm-hmm. uh, quite often in that first half, especially, and uh, you know setting up Mayo attacks and, and chances for the likes of Conroy and O'Donoghue. Um, look, I don't know, maybe he was leggy after the, the, the amount of games they've had in recent weeks, but were you surprised to see him, if he wasn't yeah. injured, being taken off? Yeah, I was. And look, I was surprised to see him being taken off um, in the last few minutes against Galway as well last week, you know. So, um, but I suppose you're looking at it, the management point of view, you're trying to get Killian on the pitch. I mean, where do you put him on? Yeah. Chances of him taking off, Tommy and Ryan were slim. Um, do you take off one of the half forwards and who would you push out to half forward? And then you put eight August in a forward, but then this was, they're asking questions of whether he'd be able for that half forward line. Um, so I suppose it was just a matter of trying to get Killian in some place and see where he could fit him in. Um, which, yeah, look, to answer your question, I was definitely surprised. Like I said, I was surprised they took him off the last day against Goal as well, particularly the last 10 minutes, thought they could have done with him when, when the goal pressure came on. So, but look, that's 
you know, I'm not going to go sit here and start questioning every decision Kevin McStay and his management team made because look, they made a lot of right decisions throughout the course of the year. Um, but look, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I definitely was surprised. Michael has commented this morning, win your provincial championship to, to become familiar with winning. We've had this conversation over the last while, Keith, that nobody cares about the provincial championships anymore. You don't have to win your, your province to have any chance in the All-Ireland series. But I mean, with the exception of Monaghan, the, the other three All-Ireland semi-finalists won their province. Yeah. So is there something there, I guess, that, as the commenter says, you become familiar with winning? Yeah, um, Look, I think there's probably two sides you could look at that. One, you look at it down the route of, you know, you win your provincial, your top seeds in for the, the group stages, you get into the habit of winning. Um, so there is definitely an argument to make. I think it's it's always kind of the route you want to go down is you want to be winning games. You don't want to be kind of losing your provincial just so that you might get a couple of weeks off. You want to be winning your games um, and you want to be kind of getting into the habit of winning. But um, look, I suppose it's, uh, you know, all the talk has been about the Ulster Championship, how competitive that is. Any team can come out of Ulster every year. You know, it's very difficult for any team up in Ulster to set their goal out and go, right, we're going to win the Ulster Championship because it is a minefield up there. Um, Kerry and Dublin have had a complete dominance in their two provinces over the last number of years. Um, and Connacht is tricky enough with Galway and Roscommon. You know, the, the, there isn't, there's no really easy game, you could say, there between those two teams. So, yeah, look, ideally you want to be winning your, your provincial championships. You want to be kind of coming out there as a top seed. Um but ultimately, would it have been a huge advantage then when it comes to the group stages? I suppose, look, when you say that you have two provincial winners, or three provincial winners in the semi-finals, obviously, uh, that stat speaks for itself, I suppose. Just, just from your own perspective, Keith, what did you make of Kerry's defensive performance? Um, thought they were very good. I thought they kind of went back to, I suppose, doing what they did with, obviously, Ty Morley being that, um, sweeping in front. I suppose it's not, it's not the most complicated system to have a look at, but I think it's okay to say you have our type Morty kind of sitting there and playing that sweeper role, but it's down to what everybody else off the ball is doing and who they're marking and staying to stay in touch tight. And Dublin did it very well as, as well yesterday. You know, even Howard was playing that sweeping role for a long time. But what Dublin do very well then is everybody else defends very well on their own man. Um, they're able to kind of switch and they're able to stay in the spaces when they need to. But um, they're like, I thought the second half Dublin performance was excellent. And mm-hmm. look, you could say the same for, for Curry the day before. So, I think it's all about getting the right people in the right spots at the right time as in you have your sweeper in place but everybody else then is, is doing a job. They're staying touch tight um, and they're not giving any space and Dublin just cut down that space entirely for me on the second half. Like I said, Mayo just seemed to be running down the centre and running into traffic and they had no, they had no way of breaking down that Dublin defence and, and Curry were similar the day before. I'll not ask you to do the, the work of the Monon GA stats people, uh, Keith, but I'll, I might send this clip on to, to Vinnie Corey afterwards. How, if you're Monaghan setting up for the, for the semi-final in two weeks' time, Difficult task, and of course they'll be underdogs. But uh, having watched Dublin yesterday and actually against your own Cardi, how do you beat this Dublin team, or how, how can you give yourself the best chance, I guess, of beating this Dublin team? Yeah, it's it's for me, it's a, nearly a catch twenty two. I mean, you look at the forwards Dublin have, and this is kind of why for me at the start of the year you kind of had go with Dublin and um, and Kerry as your top three because of the level of forwards that they have. I mean, you look at the goal, or the Dublin forwards there yesterday. Mannion came on, or started best. Or, Costello started best Gale was excellent mm. Calm was probably quiet enough by his own standards um, so like you, in a way you're kind of looking at it going well you have to pack out the defence you have to cover, cover off the space you have to stop the ball going into them where they want to get it which means you end up bringing 12-13 men behind the ball but at the same time you still have to be able to go and win the game and that's the one thing you have to do against Dublin is you have to be able to put a big score against them you know you're not going to hold Dublin to 10, 11, 12 points and expect to score 14 and win it, I don't think. You're going to have to go up and put 
a big score up the other end. So that's the kind of catch when you two for teams is you have to be able to kind of get numbers back, but you have to have the forwards up there to be able to kind of um, counteract that as well. And I think that's kind of where Kerry are well suited of them because they have a decent defensive system themselves. They might concede 14, 15, 16 points against Dublin, but they have the forwards then to go up and kick 17, 18 points as well. So, um, yeah, look, for Mon, it's, it's a very difficult task. I think they're going to have to be very defensive, but be very patient then when they have the ball and, and try and hold on to the ball for as long as they can and just starve Dublin of possession because you give that Dublin team back the ball and they'll find ways of breaking you down. So, you know, if they're going to have to go, like, go defensive, but be very, very patient when they have the ball and just try and keep the ball for as long as they can. I suppose like we saw Ross Common do, nearly frustrate them a bit. Yeah, I think Davy Burke said very similar to yourself last week when he was in with us, you know, just keep the ball and you don't want to give that Dublin forward line too much of the ball, so I guess hold on to possession. Exactly, I think that's, you know, you could say that as both for any level of the game, I think the longer you have the ball, the less opportunity the opposition have to do damage with it, and like especially against the likes of Kerry, likes of Dublin, given the quality that they have up front, you give those enough, the boys enough ball, they'll find ways of breaking it down, they'll find the gaps, and they'll still have boys that can pop the ball over from 35, 40 yards as well if they need to, so... Um, yeah, control the ball and you control the game. Who are you up for in the hurling on Saturday? Um, I suppose I'll have to. I was always a kind of a, a go with hurling supporter, so I'll have to stick with them. I think they have a tough task. Um, and yeah, look, the, the Clare Kilkenny one, you know, I suppose given the kind of the year Clare have had, you'd like to see them kind of break through. I think they'd, I think everyone would love to see another Clare Limerick game um, in the Ireland final. But yeah, I think it hopefully Gawa can, can do it. But it's, it's kind of hard to look past Limerick in fairness, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tough one. Two, two cracking games to look forward to at least this weekend in the Hurland for sure. Keith, great exactly. stuff as always. Thanks for hopping on. Cheers, boys. Thanks very much. Brilliant. Uh, at 8.55am on this Monday morning's OTBN, the sports breakfast show from Off the Ball. Keep your comments coming in, by the way. Loads on the quarterfinal action at the weekend. John Duggan in studio this morning. John, good morning. Happy Monday, Shane and Johnny. How are we doing? I'm doing very well, John. I'm absolutely buzzing. Absolutely delighted this Monday morning. You were off in the West there in your jacuzzis and... Uh... Bottled uh, prosecco glasses and yeah, you were you were like a, I don't know some type of seventies rock star like boogie nights. <laughs> Living my best life, I have to say at the weekend. Felt so refreshed, got a massage. And Anybody all. who was uh, on Instagram took out Shane Hannon, living it up in uh, at West, yeah, taking nice. over Johnny's um, world. You know, well, it's a sort of it's a sort of event that just happens that kind of solidifies the relationship. Monaghan winning a big game in football, you never forget where you were. You know, this is this, and um, she'll never forget. You know what it was like watching it with you, you know, and your entire antics during the game, like just losing your mind, really. Oh, I, I was losing, I was just saying this morning, John, I, like, I, I was losing the plot during the so match. So you're looking forward to a 15-point beating the next day, right? Oh, the fighting dog has started already. Yeah. Well, look, Dublin, I think they're six-point favourite to the bookies, but um, it's going to be a tough task for Monaghan in the semi-final. It'll be nice at half-time. <laughs> the most patronising thing ever it's ah you'll you'll have a nice little half time have to get your little pint well, into you you're you going you to bring like your tea bags and stuff and everything your glasses hang sandwiches yeah. well, well I, I presume the ticket allocation will be about 30,000 for Monon which is but half the county that, that's amazing it's amazing what Monon have achieved mm. as a county like they're so well run administratively remember like Sean McKay Park Duffy great uh, GA administrators uh, Owen Lennon was in studio with us on Saturday panel and telling us that Pork's still involved and mm. it's just an incredible like the Miners are in all Ireland final incredible achievement for and it's not, I don't think it's patronising to say that because Armagh have a population of over 200,000 yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah. if you stuck the entire population of Monaghan into Croke Park you'd still have 15 20,000 empty seats to which is yeah. mad when you put it like that you know it puts it in perspective <laughs> like we wouldn't fill Croke Park 
as a county. Um, but yeah, and, and this phrase, I, I hate the phrase punching above their weight because it's thrown at Monaghan consistently every single year. I look at the little Monaghan punching above their weight. But I mean, only Kerry have been in Division 1 longer. They've been in it a, a decade at this stage. So they just keep achieving things. And I don't know what it is. There's a lot of work being done. Paul O'Connor, someone I should name check as well, with the development squads, like a lot of them on underage setups. I don't even think that the, the idea is to win ultra titles at minor or 20s or even to win All-Irelands that's a bonus and it's great to be in a minor final this weekend it's to have but as a many players as possible situation that they're not in the Croke Park for the minor final they could have, I know they, I'm sure they could find some way before some game of playing a minor final it was the same for the Clare Hurlers in Croke Park rather yeah. than the, the, as much as the Athletic Grounds is a fine venue yeah look it'd be a good atmosphere the, 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 the Athletic Grounds but yeah, I think yeah, the doubleheader with the senior game is probably the, the way to go how did you feel generally about the, the weekend's action John? I felt that uh the three-week run didn't help the teams that were involved in it. Yeah. So Mayo, Tyrone, Cork all lost their second halves. And Monaghan were the only team that kind of booked the trend. Mm. So I do think that the timing of the season, look, it's it's always easier for Dublin and Kerry, given they know they're going to win their provinces at the moment. I know Cork are coming back a bit, but they know they're going to win their provinces. And Kerry, just the rhythms of the round, Robert, it, it just the, the learning, I suppose, is that winning your group is really, really important. Yeah, for sure. Win the province if you can as well. Like well, sure, it um, goes to show this. I think it, it Mayo definitely, it Mayo definitely suffered. Now, God, like Connacht's not that easy to to win. To no. be fair, and collateral form would suggest Roscommon aren't bad. But like, you, as a Galway fan, you are a little bit regretful of the fact that we we have serious players, but so much went wrong with injuries this year. And like the game and the game against Mayo was a mess. And we would you need not, a bit of luck, don't you? We like need, like we, need we need it, and we like we players that obviously weren't in the panel this year for various reasons. And we've Comer injured for some reason. Shane Walsh was a five out of ten years like Kilmacud's run probably didn't help that Kilmacud's run um, whatever was in his you know his head he didn't look mentally there um, some of the whys in the first half in Salt Hill were unforgivable really by his standards then you've Comer going off at half time you've Sean Kelly with one leg um, we'd have a lot of regrets because I don't think we'd, compit- we'd have capitulated like that no no I, I, I honestly think it, it, and it's hard, easy to say now but Galway Dublin quarter final I can't see how it would have went the way it did Dublin were still look imperious at the weekend and like I guess John from a Dublin perspective you, you look at some of these performances and James McCarthy Rolls Royce the usual and then the bench as well was just I mean you have Rock coming off and that Kilkenny and Small and what are you just all of Simons now as well like some of these uh, the old Warriors I mean it, it is phenomenal stuff 34 is he mm. like put a year, next year sorry Michael if you're watching put an extra year on you there uh, no I uh, for a couple of things there's such a, so much of a phony war around it and now we're probably in a situation where it's going to be a Kerry Dublin final again mm. And Dublin put in their best performance since 2019. Like we had the whole 2020 was a strange year because you COVID, you Cavan and Mayo to beat Mayo or flatten that final. 2021, Dublin got caught by Mayo. Last year's semi final, Dublin didn't turn up in the first half against Kerry. I think the learnings are that Kerry and Dublin are really like those two performances were were performances almost of of teams that were probably going to be winning the All Ireland. Mm. Um, Derry, I, I found the Derry Cork game a hard watch. I, Interesting I, but hard, yeah. Difficult, difficult to yeah. enjoy. Maybe I opined on Twitter that I didn't feel that penalties are fair. Uh, it's an association football concept that shouldn't really be in Gaelic games. I feel, and I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, yeah. It, I disagree. I disagree. I, I think penalties, like this whole attitude in, in Gaelic games, that oh, it's an English thing. It's an association. You know, I, I think penalties are a skill. If you they are skilled, but they're skilled. It's a different sport. They're skilled, though, that it, you're importing. But there are penalties within the game. You know, within the 70 minutes, you can be awarded yeah. a penalty. But, but, but generally, in Gaelic games, you're known for points. 
you, you score a goal, great, but most of the play in Gaelic games is around points. Would so you would prefer a forty-five? Yeah, I prefer a forty-five or, or a kicking contest of some description. But I do, but I do on a general basis think that I do think replays are uh, from the quarterfinal stage onwards. I think there's, Armagh there should be replays. I, I think yeah. Armagh three times now in the championship yeah. have lost in penalties. I think I that's agree. very unlucky, you know, yeah. and, and, and arguably unfair. And and. Uh, well, there's no room. You can find the room. You can find the room by moving competitions back earlier in the year if you need to finish the intercounty by the end of July. And the GA are getting hammered, and I've been critical about the paywall thing. This is an ideal way for them to get money into the association by having replays that people are anticipatory about and having another day out. I just feel our map putting everything into it, and a lot of people are like... Are just going well. Hard luck. They they didn't have the adventure to win the game, but it's That's just true, a cruel though. way to go out. I, I, look, I don't think it was unlucky or unfair. Personally, I, this this phrase uh, penalty should there a lottery. I don't. I don't. No, I just, I don't I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the, the penalties, whether you win them or not, is. I just think the whole the, the concept of having penalties in GA rather than a replay is. A bit but, but I feel like so. Yeah, Armagh won their, or lost three penalty shootouts in twelve months, but. Uh, like, is there something to be said for Armagh on that? So I don't know how. Absolutely, often- yeah. in 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 the in the context of they only got what they got what they deserve because they didn't win it in the ninety minutes. Yes, mm. uh, but in the general sense, do I think re- penalties are are the right thing for the Gaelic Athletic Association? I don't. There was there was a little bit of genius. I and, felt- and for the last thirty forty years, we've had brilliant. I, I never, I never remember GA being broken for having replace. Nineteen ninety one was the thing that. Ignited the GA in the in the wake of Italian ninety with Dublin Meath. It was the one of the best things that ever happened to the association. I never heard from anybody that the GA was broken because of replays. I I feel I know a lot of neutrals enjoy the penalty shootouts obviously because they're mental and anything could happen. And look, there was seventeen out of twenty penalties I think scored in that shootout between Armagh and Mon, and it was it was crazy uh, the the quality level of the penalties. Like I think there's a a sense of there's a little bit of genius in how managers deal with penalties as a concept. Like Vinnie Corey was asked after the game. Did you practice penalties? And he said, we didn't practice penalties whatsoever. Yeah. Because I, I felt like on a Friday night, if we practice penalties and, you're in your head, and some player hit a yeah. post or missed, yeah. you'll be thinking about that on the Saturday. So there's a little bit of genius in not practicing penalties sometimes. Mm. You know, We knew our penalty takers. We knew who the five would be. We wanted them all on the pitch at but the very it's end. It's also Conor McManus's penalties. Uh, just two like, top that's, corners. That's how you take a penalty. Like I just don't know if it's the outcome. I, I'd, I'd agree I'd prefer, with you, I'd prefer in, like Imagine the All-Ireland Finals decided by... By, yeah. by penalties because we have to stop the season now because of the club game. Maybe for uh, finals have, you, you could do a replay. Well, well, like the Dublin Kerry replay in 2019 was like the drawn game was incredible. The replay was incredible. The anticipation of the replay was incredible, uh, and I just do feel that for the sake of another game. So some people are saying in the comments, uh, DS has Armagh plenty of chances to win those games in normal and extra time. No bravery to go for it. Paul Markey, Armagh the same chance as those who beat them. Wake up, lads! Your argument is void. Like. There, not, there is that as well. Like, not, but it's not really about whether Armagh... Arma, it's just about our penalties are a fair way to decide an amateur sport like Gaelic Games. I'm not so sure. It's more the foul on McManus as well. Like, there was no... Like, you're, you're, with all due respect, foul. Conor McManus is 36, is he, whatever. Like, you just marshal him. Like, the, it was a needless need. It was smart foul. by McManus because he made the run that he knew there's a chance I'd be fouled here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, that's... I mean, you just don't... You, yeah. you, 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 he's, he's probably 8 out of 10 likely to score that free, like... Maybe nine. Then in the end, the argument is if if Grugan lets McManus pass him and he scores from play, the argument is why didn't pass him? They'll just marshal him at that yeah, stage of the yeah, game, you know. Yeah. Um, I do. I do feel though, you look at our man, man and Derry Cork. The, 
they're they're going to have to lift it like significantly Derry and Monaghan to get it anywhere near. It Kerry, looks impossible. Kerry and Dublin. Yeah, it looks impossible. And the way Kerry and Dublin, like like the Clifford Pass, for example, Dermot O'Connor display, we already touched upon James McCarthy, and it's important for Colin Baskell, who's not a new kid in the block, but he's uh, obviously been around a while. For someone that, for somebody new in Desi Farrell's unit uh, mm. to, to to be a man that isn't one of the old guard, as it were, two two. Um, but if Dublin and Kerry played the way they did. This weekend in the final, it will be an incredible final. It will be amazing. It will be amazing. The only argument I can make for Monaghan in the in the semi final, and it's going to be a tough task in Dublin. Rightly, will be massive favourites. But Monaghan and Dublin, you know, anytime they've met in certainly in league football, when Dublin still had strong teams out, Monaghan have always had a decent record against them, even in Croke Park um, and in Clonus as well. I think Monaghan will have preferred to play against Dublin rather than Kerry from a style perspective, mm. possibly. And that Dublin uh, forward line, like, Monaghan's defence is, is really like the man markers and the, the swarm of bees that come around forwards when they have the ball. Like Monaghan are very good defensively, so the like the Monaghan defenders and the Dublin forwards will be so familiar with each other mm. from ten years in Division One. They've, they've played against each other so often, so it will be fascinating. But Monaghan do have to stay in the game for. 50-55 well, well that's chance. it will they be there with 10 minutes to go Yeah, that's the, the you question can see the concession of a goal then as well is such a killer in any narrative like that Once you're almost mentally gone after mm-hmm. that like, um, but also you've got to give Dublin credit and I, I, I didn't watch the, the Kerry game because I, I didn't want to spend half my money watching it on, on the state broadcaster <laughs> after the week they had I didn't feel it was, it was probably the right week to be doing it um, but the Direct play of Dublin. Eamon Sweeney writes really well about this in the Irish Independent today. That we, you know, to cherish the actually Dublin, the way Dublin played the game. That was a really enjoyable game, the Dublin Mayo game. Mm. First half really, really enjoyable. Now I know Dublin kind of sprinted away in the second half, but the the Derry Cork game was was a tough watch. Yeah, it was a tough watch, and that's the, obviously the Derry style of play. And if it's effective, and if they win the All Ireland, then then they'd be saying, well, so what? But um, when I was growing up, uh, my uncle was from Kerry, and. Uh, they had the Golden Years video, the Kerry video from 1975 to 86. And I always have felt that Kerry have always played the game the way the game should be played. And I do feel that Dublin play the way the game should be played. And I think if you did have a Kerry-Dublin final, they wouldn't be getting involved in elaborate tactics. It would be, you know, I know Dublin pressed high yesterday. It would be a classic. It would be like 2019 again. Yeah, the problem with that narrative is that, is that then one of the teams has to win. And if you see the way Kerry defended... This weekend, JD, uh, it was phenomenal. Like, I, I hope I'm not overstating this. Like, it was, I've, I've massive sympathy for Tyrone because they, they hit all these. And this is the problem Derry are going to have. Derry are going to be going around the circles as they do. And they're going to meet this wall and this amazingly intense press. And then once you lose the ball, you're in serious trouble because of the talent they have in attack. Um, I'd be amazed if, if it weren't a Kerry Dublin final. But even, you know, if it is that, I think neutral will still be like, this is going to be one of the great, great finals. Yeah. And hopefully a restoration of Gaelic football in the minds of a lot of people who've probably lost interest. Yeah. And Derry and Monaghan will be the, the big bad wolves if they, if they somehow manage to spoil that. I still hope Monaghan win for, imagine Monaghan being an All Ireland final. Was yeah. it 1930, uh, was it? 1930, yeah, I think Kerry in 1930 was the only time they've ever been in the final. So, they lost. you know, the whole place would lose their minds. It'd be uh, amazing. It's already starting to lose, lose the minds, John. I mean, quarter, uh, but you lost your mind a long time ago. I did, to be fair. And uh, so that's why I had to go and get some R&R at the weekend and, and get the, the, the spa and the, the, the champion and all the rest. Before we let go, John, briefly, the Aidan O'Brien uh, at the Irish Derby in the uh, look, 100 the European Classic win. Like 49 at the current 42 in England and 9 in, 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 in continental Europe. Incredible. Like one of our greatest ever sports people. And to be able to continue continually, consistently delivered under the pressure of the fact that all the breeding and everything and, and Coolmore to be able to deliver under pressure. It wasn't the most flashy win by Gus Rodin, but twin two derbies, Galileo's obviously gone as a, as a sire. Um, all roads lead to the arc, and um, I know you're down there, Johnny, but 
Yeah, it was it was very anticlimactic. It was that was the unfortunate thing about it. It was just like you know you've the 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 Epsom also and Spreewell and Whitebirch both flopping. You've a fatality in the race, and then you've the winner not really impressive beating a long shot stablemate. So it was. It just wasn't a race that you know. I, I I was I didn't feel much of a. And the one thing about the curra, like I I I enjoyed the curra, but it, it, the atmosphere is still very flat there. It's strange. Ten or eleven thousand there. It was like the crowd was was disappointing, and I enjoyed the day and all that. And um, you know, I got a complimentary ticket. I, I'll be honest, like, and I got a. I I always love going to the derby, but it there was no um very little buzz in the place, like really really little buzz. And I I the curra is going to have to work on that, and it's not easy, but it can be done though. Leopard's Temple, yeah. Ten have done it oh like it means the student meetings are like um, a massive stag party like and I'm not saying we need that but you need a bit more life for a classic where you know the crowd is hardly making any sort of a noise like and um, you know the Curra have I, I thought there were lots of positives from the day but the crowd was down and you know you need probably need a bit more noise um, however they're going to get that and you can't bring it on your own I can't bring it on my own. No, um, I and you know we've a one to four to eleven winner of the derby, whatever. But um, they they just need they need to work a little bit on the atmosphere. I think. Yeah, so it was a, it was in a, it was a good performance. Obviously, a length and a half. Um, good, but not great. Like he he wasn't he, like he didn't he didn't um, enhance his stud value at that performance. Yeah, was, maybe he's one of those horses never going to do that. You know, Aiden Aiden said he needs to kind of like get going into a gear where he can't just like get to the front three furlongs out and bolt up like he needs to get going off uh, pace and I'd say he's probably right about that but I think he's a better horse than he showed yesterday yeah first horse uh, August Rodan since Harzand in 2016 to follow up Epsom with, with the Curra uh, John any, any other bits happening this morning uh, well I mean I don't know if you saw the ashes uh, the, um, the run out of Johnny Bairstow which was hugely controversial because England felt that they didn't act Australia in the spirit of the law mm. uh, they acted in the letter um, and it's probably like it's on the maybe on the edge of gamesmanship versus you know, it's 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 in the lo- it's in the rules. It's fine. Um, and he did go out of it, and he did throw the ball before Barstow went out of his ground. I just found the fascinating thing was it was the final day at Lords. People were able to go in for twenty five pounds for the the most biggest establishment of venues in the whole of the UK. But the, the the players have to go through the members' room to get to their dressing rooms. So yeah. they showed footage of... That was of, bizarre. Of, ...of the England players being cheered by the Lords members and then the Australians coming in and being booed. Imagine, like, a football team having to go through fans to go back to their changing rooms. It was an incredible piece of television. So it was, and Ben Stokes was smashing the ball around like it was a one-day game. So it was, it was great TV. I mean, I don't, sometimes I don't think you don't have to love cricket to, to find these kind of moments of drama really just compelling. That was uh, one of the highlights of the weekend, I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. John, great All right, lads. Thanks for popping in. 12 minutes past nine on this uh, Monday morning's OTBAM, the sports breakfast show from Off the Ball. Patrick says on the YouTube comments, keep those coming in, by the way. Penalty shootouts for games involving Ulster teams, replays for others. I mean... Ulster says no to that one, I think. Uh, MD says most championships are starting mid-July. Lads, are the narrative all counties will wait till lads are back from America is nonsense. Um, I made a butcher of reading that, but uh, I get the general gist. Um, yeah, 20 minutes to go, Grugan had a one-on-one and chose to fist it over the bar. Get what you deserve. Yeah, possibly, but the way the game was going, a point was crucial and Began probably closed down the angle enough to maybe make the goal chance a, more of a 50-50 than anything else. So I kind of understand what Grugan was doing there. Uh, it was just like... To, to be involved and I was there Johnny in, in Croke Park last summer for the Galway Mayo quarter final and dad's a Galway man I was there myself with my Galway jersey on and like just for Armagh fans to have to go through that again into the same goals and the <laughs> and Galway like, Armagh quarter final yeah sorry the Galway yeah. Armagh who did I say Mayo yeah right, sorry, Galway Armagh. Mayo um, that was like for Armagh fans it's just gut wrenching but I mean 
the drama of your county being involved in a penalty shootout in a knockout game at Croke Park I think you'll agree is just tension that you probably don't feel with, with many other, other things in sport I, I, I do feel though like last year Galway kind of almost threw that away it was a ridiculous yeah. situation that they, they ended up the ball away, didn't he? And yeah, a, ma- a mad, mad kick point. yeah mad and the goals and everything like yeah. bad goalkeeping it was mad this was a game that Armagh have massive regrets about yeah. let's be honest yeah 100% definitely it was there for them in the end you'd have to say uh, should mention at 9.13am uh, Off the Ball is coming to the Cork Podcast Festival join us on Sunday the 27th of August in the Cork Opera House special guests to be announced very soon don't miss it for tickets go to corkpodcastfestival.ie forward slash off hyphen the hyphen ball here are some highlights on the OTB podcast network coming up for you today reaction to all the weekend's GA and we'll have highlights from the Sunday paper review as well after the break we're talking League of Ireland with Vinnie Perth you're listening to OTB AM it's Galway versus Kilkenny but not as you know it you're as fast as everything you're in your life (laughs) Hurling Pod Live is off to the Port Gosh Energy Theatre in Dublin this July and you're invited. I'll be joined by my co-hosts James Scale and Paul Murphy on the night. Start the leveller, he'd say, and the tractor is coming after us. <laughs> As we debate the highs and lows of the 2023 season and preview the All-Ireland Hurling Final. Plus, we'll be announcing some more hurling legends to take the stage with us. It was a rook. I got confused. <laughs> it's happening on July 20th at the Gosh Energy Theatre. It's an exclusive off-air event. Tickets are limited, so don't delay. Go to offtheball.com forward slash events for more. Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. This is what inter-county hurling is, is it? <laughs> I should have said the rugby. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off The Ball. Quarter past nine on this Monday morning's OTB and the Sports Breakfast Show from Off The Ball with myself, Shane Hannon, and Johnny Ward in studio with you until 10 o'clock. Uh, Vinnie Perth, good morning, how are things? Good morning, how are you doing? Keeping well, keeping well, thanks for hopping on as usual. Um, I suppose we'll start with the, with the action on Friday night and a dramatic enough night. Shamrock Rovers with a 2-0 defeat away to Dundalk, so these goals in the second half from Louis Annesley and Patrick Hoban. Um, Hoban or Hoban, whoever you want, what you want to say it, but... Um, Surprising result. Not many people would have seen this one coming, Vinny. Um, probably not, no. I think um, Dundalk have been up and down and their form at, at different stages has been really good and other stages they've dropped some points. So um, it's it's been such a mixed bag. But I think Shamrock Rovers have been just playing uh, under the, below par, for want of a better word. And, and they've given teams some chances and um, I thought Dundalk were worthy winners the other night and um, I've seen Ro- Rovers against Derry on Monday and followed by Dundalk and in neither game have they been exceptional um, they had a couple of good spells in both games but uh, Dundalk were quite comfortable in the end which would be concerning for Rovers but uh, albeit they're still very well clear but a uh, brilliant night for Dundalk and first goal was exceptional by Enzi but Pahub and then uh, putting the game to bed with a brilliant header from a cross from Keith Ward and Dumo Pat does brilliantly got in between Cleary um, it's a goal worth seeing again for people learning how to be a striker he he just on Lopez's shoulder and then at the last moment gets in between him and uh, Dan Cleary and it's a brilliant brilliant header into the bottom corner and as I said Dundalk were comfortable in the end it wasn't a uh, Backs against the wall or anything. Hooban, obviously, a record breaker um, in the previous week. Like, how would you sum him up? It's almost like he's been a bit forgotten, Vinny, in, in the last couple of years because Nadok have been, he's had injuries as well, but like he's, I, I mean, they miss him so much when he's not playing. 
yeah, he's a he's a, an absolute throwback, and um, he, he's actually a brilliant person, and he's a nightmare at the same time. Um, absolutely love him. Um, I remember him saying to me once, "We, you know, the way we've a love hate relationship." I said, "Jez, I didn't know there was any hate there, you know." <laughs> but uh, Pat's Pat, 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 a, Pat, a cranky person, but at the same time, uh, he's like uh, centre forward in many ways that he uses that to his advantages and. Um, He's a brim, just brilliant for, for Dundalk. He's now, uh, the greatest ever goal scorer with, I think it's 145 or there, thereabouts. But, and, and what's, what's remarkable about, about Pat is, uh, he's a throwback. He reminds me of, I, I remember once saying to him, you remind me of Mitrovic. And he looked at me as if, uh, he was going to hit me with a hurl because Pat being a Loch Ray lad. Uh, but at the same time, by the time we done some video about what I meant by that, it made sense to him. And he is that type of character where he's a little bit marmite. Um, other teams don't necessarily love him, but what he's done has been remarkable over them years. He's he's taken a three-year gap as well and went to the UK to blow his trade. But when you look what Pat's done, he scored 10 of those goals against Pats, Cork, Derry, 14 mm-hmm. against Sligo. I think it's 12 against Rovers and 16 against Bowles. So he doesn't fill his boots yeah. against lesser teams. He does it against the top teams. And um, if you look at Stephen Kenny getting the job in Ireland and how good it's gone from between either me or Stephen Kenny as a manager, he scored 128 goals for the two of us. So he's been brilliant for both of our careers and um, what a brilliant uh, player. And as I said, he's a throwback to, to the old centre-forward types. St. Patrick full advantage as well. Vinny uh, resounding 7-0 win over, over UCD. 2-0 at the, at the break and Jen just destroyed them in the, in the second half of that performance. So if we're looking at the table as things stand, Rover still with a four-point cushion over Pats. And Derry, of course, not taking advantage uh, with their game. So they're now six off Shamrock Rovers and two off St. Pats in second. Do we have a title race or is that too early to, to kind of suggest anything of that sort? Well, well, obviously, and I suppose this is an obvious statement. The key to whether we have a title race is Will Shamrock Rovers continue to be, I don't want to say inconsistent, you say stuff like that and people say they're top of the league and they're scoring more goals than everyone else. But what's fascinating about Shamrock Rovers is, and I made reference to going back to 2017 or even the last time anyone else won the league was 2019. Dundalk lost four games for the whole season and two of them were after the league was won. Rovers have already lost four games and drawn seven mm. or 24. So nobody is taking advantage of, of their slip-up as they head into Europe. And um, it's very hard to see Pat's going on a big run to to win the league or, or Derry at this stage. There's a lot of ground to make up. So it's it doesn't look like anyone's going to push them. But but um, if they remain inconsistent, it's, given, it's, it's leaving the door open for another team to put them under pressure. So it's, it's a hard one to call and um, you look at Pats and you look what, you know, the youngest ever goal scorer in League of Ireland history, uh, young Melia scored from the other day. So it's been a brilliant time since John um, John Daly went in as manager and they've had some outstanding results, it must be said. And I think uh, just it just makes people think John had a brilliant career before he arrived at St. Pats. He worked in in Scotland under uh, Craig Levine he'd worked at Hearts and caretaker manager and he's really he's really done a brilliant job there and I hope, hope somebody pushes this Rover side just to make them better to be fair Their the, the points Sally Shane is 44 from 23 um, which is less than two thirds of the 
Like that's poor. Like yeah. that's that's actually not title winning form. So they should like forty six should be the the very minimum. No, they didn't win any of their first six. But the the one thing Vinny I'm wondering about is um going into Europe. So they 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 play the home leg next week against Bredeblick, and I know Stephen Bradley's very complimentary of this team. They also play on AstroTurf. Um, I don't. I think Rovers have a patchy enough record on AstroTurf. Maybe it doesn't matter. They were poor. Um, on Friday night on the Astro, but would you worry a bit about Rovers now going into Europe with the injuries that they have um, in goal? Obviously, I, I know Manus is kind of coming back, but Ferruja's injured as well. They've picked up a few key injuries, and how important will it be that they're back for the Champions League games? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, it looked like a knee injury, and again, that's just my eyes as a pop, being in the stand for Jack Bourne. Um, he tried to play on it, so you'd like to think that's not too bad. Unfortunately, Neil Ferrugia was holding his hamstring and he's had issues with his hamstring. So I think they're two big key players for them. Um, obviously, they've other players missing at the moment. And um, yeah, look, uh, I, I, I think I think they've probably got the toughest ties, believe it or not, of a lot of our, our sides. But getting through that first round because of the parachute with with the champions' route. So um, for those listening, don't know if you're losing the Champions League. You go into the next round of Europa League, you're losing the Europa League, you go into the next round of the Conference League once you're champions. So that gives them an opportunity, Ronnie, really to win two games in Europe to have a group stages. And I think this side is capable of doing it. Um, I've had some concerns about them this year, albeit I think they're by far the best team. And uh, I still stand over Rovers plus 10 points this year. Um, they've, got to, they've got to be a little bit more clinical is the word I keep using around this Rover side and say um, create more chances and putting them away. Um, so, yeah, there is some concerns, but I do believe this is a great Rover side and I think there's another group stage in them. During the, the ad break there, Johnny, you mentioned the, the name Mason Media to me and, and Vinny, you've, met, you've mentioned him again. He's someone we've spoken about on the show before, but uh, like Pat's youngest ever league goal scorer now, 15 years of age. Like, How good is this kid? Because that's some achievement. Yeah, no, he's exceptional. Um, he's a really good, uh, a really good finisher. Um, the, you know, a lot of clubs in in England are interested in. They I can't think, get and, him, and, and for their field as well, Vinny. Yeah, and for their field, they can't get him till he till he's eighteen now in England. Anyway, he can go uh, to different sides. So look, um, I, I really don't like overhyping these young players more for their sake than anything else. But I think. I think um, this this kid is a real real chance, and albeit he's only fifteen, similar to let's hope he can he can have something similar to what Evan Ferguson done, who broke through a balls at a similar age, and there was a big hullabaloo about that. But Mason um, is around this Pat's group. You have to say, Jer O'Brien and and Jer be the first to say a lot of his staff. Pat's are constantly developing young players, and he don't get the headlines maybe of of. of of another club, but they certainly are developed. Like Sam Cortes is one of the best players in our league and he's only 17 years of age. And it's about that argument of, um, I would make the point at times that these really good young players need to go to England. But Sam Cortes has actually shown the opposite to that. And he's mm-hmm. been, I, I've spoken to two premiership clubs have asked me for match reports on him over the last year. And that's the level he's regarded at. And at 16, 17 playing men's football and one of the best fullbacks in the league tells you they're doing something right at St. Pat's with their with their player development and they're just two names of, of many coming through that club. So 
future's bright for young players in League of Ireland, it must be said. Yeah, the, totally, Vinny. Like, Reese Barkley coming on as well. I think, I, yeah. I don't know what age he is. He's a kid as well. Like, the thing is, Vinny, like, if you look at the past. I think he, he might have played 14, 15, 16, 17, yeah. 19. Yeah. With, with Pats, which is fantastic. It's, and it's the fact that, like, this is one of the great things about the League of Ireland now. You are going and seeing. Evan Ferguson, you're going to like Vinny's right. Kirk is a phenomenal footballer. Um, you're going to see these young players, and they're not given a chance to enhance their value. They're given a chance. I I don't know, Vinny, if you feel this. I feel that the coaches as well. They're very very. Um, as much as they're doing best for the club, I think they are looking after the kids. They want what's best for their development. They want to throw them in here and give them that next step along the ladder because they can't go to Britain until they're eighteen. Yeah, a bit, a bit of both. Be under no illusions, like um um. Players have a value to them now. Mm. These young players, Sam Court's value has gone through the roof because he's played first team football. What he would have went as a sixteen-year-old uh, pre, you know, pre-Brexit to what he'll go now, he'll definitely improve. But no, I think I think the standard of coaching in Ireland has has really improved. And <clears throat> when we when you do your way for pro license courses and you you travel across Europe and other co- you you match up against other coaches and. Irish coaches are able to stand their own and um, I think it's important that, that that's recognised like you look at name three but I mentioned Jerry O'Brien Shane Robson at Rovers Liam Carney at, at Cork the job them lads are doing is good as anything and um, I think it's worth just making a small reference people in the FEO shouldn't ignore that as well I think there's I think there's there's a tendency to look at you know ex-pros and people from the UK but we're quite capable of doing a really good job here in Ireland a lot of our young coaches and I've only mentioned three there's probably 10 or 12 big names and you could, you could mention in that in that same frame as those three should mention the other results as well Derry uh, as I said not taking advantage of Shamrock Rovers defeat they drew one all away to Shelburne um, the other ground Sl- uh, Sligo Rovers at the showgrounds much needed win for them 3-1 win against Bohemians Caelan Barlow Max Mata and Stefan Radoslavievich scoring the three goals for them and then all square between Cork City and Drada Turner's Cross one all in that game um, Vinny the uh, kind of the I guess reports in the papers last week around Stephen Kenny were that uh, the this French Dutch double header uh, that's up next um I mean, Philip Quinn, I think, was reporting one of the days that he needed four points from those two games, but then it seemed to be downgraded to two points in a lot of the papers the following day. Um, would you expect Stephen to keep his job regardless, or is this going to be down to performances or results or a bit of both? Um, it's probably a bit of both. It's probably um, it's probably as a result of, of not getting those results against the lesser nations. He mm. is probably under pressure. I always say no manager does his best work under a cloud and it's a pity this stuff is out there in the in terms of what what is needed in those next two windows. But he's got Everest to climb. Um you know, he's got he's gotta get two results if that's true or I'm sure he would stay in charge if he lost narrowly to France and beat beat the Dutch. Mm. Um but I know people are down playing how 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 the Dutch are playing, but that's a that's a huge task from if that is the way it is and I just think I just think it's important. Um, I, I'd love to see him do it. I think it's important for Irish football. We've been speaking there about the development of our game, and um, I've made a small reference to it. I don't want to see, you know, uh, all the hard work that's gone in over the last ten years be undermined by by people in terms of looking at saying, "Oh, League of Ireland is only this or that," and you can't be a League of Ireland manager and, it, and an international manager and 
And for that reason, I hope Stephen is, is successful in, in the next month and the next campaign and he at least sees out this campaign and see where he ends up. Um, so, But it's really, really difficult. And as I said, no one does their best work under a cloud and um, it must be a difficult time for him. He's obviously still in the job and we, we wish, obviously, the Republic of Ireland team all the best in those games. If they were to go south, and I know it's a big hypothetical um, if we were to lose both of those games, but... Like, do you see the FAI consistently staying now with with homegrown or home based managers? Will they go back to the to the tried and trusted method of? Uh, well, I said tried and trusted, but going, no, you know, the likes of Jack Charlton. Yeah, no. On that point, I've no issue with our with our international manager, whoever it may be. The next one, whether that's two months, two years, four years, being from outside of Ireland, I just think the development of our game should be controlled from here. We're mm. good enough to do it ourselves, and I think there is. There is one or two within the FEI who who would look down their nose at League of Ireland people, and that has to be said. Um, um, most people will know who I'm speaking about, but far be it from me to bring... I just think we've got to respect the jobs people are doing here in terms of, of the development, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't let whatever happens to Stephen be a referendum on how good people are doing and the hard work that's been done in Irish soccer, it's been phenomenal. European results are improving constantly. Our player development is improving. We need a hand, absolutely. But um, the people who get these jobs, whether it's the assistant director of football job that's coming up, give it to the best person, if whoever that may be, and go through a proper recruitment process, but not an ex-pro for the sake of it. And that's mm. where we need to be careful now around the rhetoric around what's going to come, hopefully, this Stephen debate goes on for another year, at least till he finishes the campaign. But I, I just hope that the, the good work that a lot of coaches are doing aren't forgotten and all this. Yeah, like pr- practically all Ireland manager, Irish managers now are in the League of Ireland. Like, yeah. you know, and f- for example, Friday night, Vinny, like Rory Higgins, who you've worked with, highly regarded, he has to match up against Joey O'Brien and Damien Duff. And it's like, this is uh, Joey O'Brien and Damien Duff, like shells. Uh, they're not the most flashy side. They're extremely well coached, and I, I think Vinny's completely right. Even at, at not only senior level, but all the levels down to uh, the people that are working at in a, at academy level. A lot of very good minds in this country, and we shouldn't lose sight of that. Yeah, for sure, it's one of those yeah, things. Absolutely. Sorry, Shane. I just think it's important to make the point that a lot of good coaches in this, um, and there's not we're not pretending we're Premiership managers or coaches or we're you know. But, but don't look down your nose at us either. There's some brilliant people and, um, you know, some good coaches there. I'm well able to maximize everyone. And when you go on a pro license and you get these ex-pros in, the League of Ireland guys don't look out place around them. Mm-hmm. Genuinely don't. And, and I think it's just worth making the point. That's all. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Vinny, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. Cheers, lads. Enjoy. Lovely stuff. 9.32 a.m. On Monday mornings, OTBM with myself and Johnny. On tomorrow's show upcoming, on Tuesday we have Jenny Claffey talking Wimbledon, which gets underway at 11 o'clock this morning, I think the first matches getting underway in the uh, men's and women's singles draws. Plenty more getting football reaction, of course, after that uh, incredibly uh, busy weekend of four, four quarter-final games and the start of the hurling preview as we build up to this weekend's two matches. Uh, the Ireland under-20s, of course, playing Fiji tomorrow at the World Championships as well. We'll discuss that. Plenty more besides as well. Johnny, brilliant stuff as always. Thanks a million, Shane. Coming in. Oh, you're, you're, you're with me, Jers, off the next couple of weeks. You, I presume you're with me for for a bit of a stint or for a couple couple more shows. Yeah, there's, there's, there's hints of more to come. All right, hints. TB, TBC, yeah, a little teaser for people. Um, for you know, for the next two weeks of Shane's life, everything is possible. Do you know what? Well, I'm so relaxed after the. 
the sauna and the prosecco and the pints of stout. Lots said for oh, me. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> it's like sauna massage and then like prosecco pints of stout. They, they like, did say that at the end of the massage. So it, did, did the couple's massage? You're both lying on two beds and the the. The lady masseuse says to me afterwards, she said, now make sure you, you drink plenty of water now after that massage because you have to, obviously your body is a bit stout. ropey after the massage. And yeah, I, d- I didn't exactly heed that advice. It was it was, it was was liquid, but it wasn't exactly water. I'll tell you one thing, your Instagram uh, content was... Um, You're trying to get me more Instagram followers here, are you? Just revealing. It was like, you know, this is for three, if this is a three-month relationship, you're, you could have fooled me. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of love. There's a lot of love. Yeah. A lot of love, Johnny. You know, you gotta, if you're proud of it, you got to show it off. Absolutely, yeah. You know. And she did. <laughs> we both did. <laughs> Nathan was said I was in my, my trunks at one stage at the side of the jacuzzi, and Nathan, I think Nathan commented and said, hopefully you're not taking off an item of clothing for every man and win. I was only wearing shorts and, and sliders at the end of it, so... Nathan was oh, left no with proverbial pants down after that ball <laughs> week yesterday, anyway. Segway. Um, yeah. Segway. Sorry about that, Nathan. No, it's grand. Good stuff, Johnny. Great stuff. Cheers, As man. always, thanks a million. <laughs> right now, the best of the Sunday pay-per-view. Have a marvellous Monday. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.